1: Here we are. Here we are once again. Once
2: again. How back once back. again.
1: are.
2: <laughs> so uh, yeah, man. Yeah. We've already been over here for like an hour. We've been talking about a bunch of shit. Yeah, so nothing else to talk about. Yeah, nothing else to talk about. So. that's a lie. It is a lie. <laughs> you and
1: I can always
0: talk about something. <laughs> it's a fucking lie. It is a big lie.
2: Yeah. No, man. I got a few little uh, notes here for some stuff, but um, yeah. How's your week?
1: Um. Wonderful. Yeah, nothing special, I guess.
2: Yeah, you doing some Uber?
1: I was doing a little bit of Uber.
2: Any uh, funny Uber stories?
1: Uh no, not really. Nothing crazy. No one tried to kidnap me. <laughs> no, or... no Vin Diesel. No references. No, no old lady <laughs> thinking I was a young Vin Diesel or something, or an old Vin Diesel, I guess. Here, I don't
2: know. Here, you're going to college, paying your way through with Uber. With Uber. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, man, I didn't do a ton of Uber in this week. I was staying busy around the house, taking care of stuff. All right. On. He's, Watching a lot of Don Her instructionals.
2: Yes, Don Her for Dummies, which Don is going to be for, one of our yeah. our topics today. He got some advice for me, and uh, but yeah, uh, man. Speaking of Uber, do you see that they lost 5.2 billion dollars in the last quarter? No. Yeah. Why? It's just uh, man. I've heard. I've heard. Uh, you know, you hear just stupid shit when you're in the startup world and people say stuff and you don't know what they're saying just to kind of like try to impress you with like, Oh, I know something or what's actually true. But, uh, yeah, I heard, um, like a year ago that like Uber is not profitable and yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's one of the things with startups, like until they go public, it's a different set of rules. Like you don't have to be profitable because you don't have, uh, shareholders. shareholders you have investors, but that's different than shareholders. Like shareholders, you know, it's a it's a different beast. And so when you go public, now you're being held to a different standard. And so, yeah, like rumor around the campfire was like Uber was never profitable, but they were just one of these, um, you know, it's like the dot-com stuff. Like there were websites that were worth a shit ton of money, even though, they weren't actually producing anything or doing anything yet. It was just the promise of what they might be able to do that people were valuing it on. It's like, you know, Theranos, that's how in the startup world, how it became like worth a billion dollars, even though you look and you're like, wait a minute, they never actually produced anything. Right. It was just the fucking, the promise of what they could do. And so that's what you get valued on. But then you go public or you do something like Theranos did, which drags you into the public domain and more public scrutiny. And it's a different set of rules you're being judged by. And so some of it was just like loss in value of the stock and, and, you know, things like that. But, uh, yeah, I was just doing like a quick little, uh, glance over the article. And I guess one of the things is they're, um, in some areas like New York, they're getting stricter with, um, Uber's kind of posing as taxis at airports and stuff. And yeah, I was wondering about that. I mean, I just, I was wondering how long, like it's just, it's so, uh, you know, taxis got unions and they got, you know, lobbying power and and they're losing a lot of business, especially a at the airports business, yeah. to lift, or yeah, lift and Uber drivers. And so apparently uh, airports, you know, like you just said, like specifically in New York city, we're getting more strict with that. And so they actually had to start limiting the number of, uber drivers as well that they were letting into an area because it was just starting to get saturated and so yeah yeah i'm interested to see where it goes
1: you know there was one thing uber started doing new this week which i was kind of impressed by because there's a loophole you'll hear about these horror stories and like some crazy asshole becomes an uber driver and like kidnaps somebody or does something yeah. terrible right? yeah, yeah, yeah well because there's a loophole there so let's say for example I go, th- I jump through all the hoops and become an Uber driver, and what I mean by that is, you know, I, I pass the background check, I get my vehicle inspected, and all that stuff, right? Well, once I do that, if I have, uh, if I was an unscrupulous type person, I could give my phone in my car to a friend of mine and let him go drive some Uber and make some money. Yeah. And people do that, but they find they found a way to hack that. Uh, try, to try to prevent that is now when you log in to drive, they make you take a selfie right then and there, mm. and they gotta verify it you, and then they'll let you go online and drive. Yeah. But so that that was new actually just this week. Like I went to go log on. I had heard rumor about this.
2: Like a fucking breathalyzer in your car. Yeah, before Yeah,
1: yeah. That's, that's basically what it is. Like I went to go. I went to go go online. And they said, oh, before you go online, we gotta verify it you. You need a, you know a selfie right now. Boom, so I took one. And, I, mean, I mean, there's ways you can cheat that, right? I'm sure there, there are, there, but
2: eventually it starts to get like the effort-to-benefit ratio. Right. I mean, if you're... Although some people, like George Costanza, will definitely put more energy into avoiding work than actually right. doing work. Exactly. So there are those people. Yeah. But yeah, at a, at a certain point, it's almost like there's so much work going into cheating the system. Like, go back to making calls and pretending you're from Nigeria and you're, you're a prince who needs... You're fucking, (laughs) you're one and a half million freed
1: up. I did cheat the system a little bit yesterday, so I picked up these two ladies from one of the hotels, and uh, we just kind of got to talking, we were getting along pretty good, and then I was taking them to the city market, they needed to grab some groceries, and uh, long story short, we just cut a deal, like I turned the Uber off, and then I drove them back to their hotel, and then I drove them downtown, and they just paid me cash. They're like, yeah, you know, we worked out a deal, you know, so we both felt comfortable with it. And yeah. like, yeah, that way we don't have to, like, do you mind? Do you wait for us on grocery shopping? Right. You know, and then take us back to, oh, we'll do this and this. And they're like, we'll make it worth your while. And that way we don't have to, you don't have to drop us off and leave it running. And, or we got to wait for another driver. She's like, you know, everybody will be cool. So then I was like, cool. So they just paid me cash and made it easy. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. once in a while, you run, you're not supposed to do that kind of shit. Right. Right, right. But if someone's cool, you can kind of tell they're not, you know, some weirdo. Yeah. It was, it was two ladies. they, they they're probably a little younger than I was. And uh, I didn't feel that they were going to try to kidnap me. I asked them, I was like, you guys aren't going to, like, try to kidnap me or nothing. <laughs> once I turn the Uber off and they <laughs> can't track Uber, me here. Yeah, I turn this Uber off. Are you guys, what do you got going on? What's going on here? <laughs> She's like, well, you're going to try to kidnap us? I was like, no. I, don't. I was like, I don't have the energy for that. <laughs> She's like, all right, I think we're okay. <laughs>
2: You see two ladies versus one and a half legs. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, that, that kind of thing happens. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, just that whole thing. Like I said, just, I heard that rumor a while ago around the startup campfire oh. that a lot of these big, uh, you know, unicorns aren't really actually that profitable. You know, they're valued at all as money, but when you look at it, they're not producing mm-hmm. that money. They're just being valued based on potential potential. earnings yeah but eventually man you gotta the rubber house got to meet the road somewhere like you gotta pay your bills with more than good intentions
1: yeah good intentions don't pay the bills (laughs) no
2: no it only gets you so far Mm -hmm. eventually they want some cash
1: yeah you can't call your big bank and say hey man I'm really I got some good intentions to pay this mortgage but I don't actually have the currency to pay you no they're like Okay, that's fucking great. Well, you don't actually have a house. <laughs> take your good intentions to the homeless shelter. You didn't
2: use the right right vibrational frequency when you projected that intention onto them, though. That is true. So, that's still on you, bro. It is on me. Still on you. So, yeah. Anyways. So, I was... uh, We were downtown after we had breakfast at the dream cafe after doing shadows track workout and dude, uh, one of the homeless people down there has set up a semi-permanent camp on a bench and yeah yeah it's like it's right off of uh, Main Street so it's not on Main Street it's on Colorado Mm -hmm. it's like 4th and Colorado and so it's a uh, but yeah man I saw it last week and then it was still there this week but like full on like just garbage bags and stuff set up camped out under and around the bench like he's just claimed it that's his bench that's their bench like it's unusable for anyone else like today he was sleeping on it this morning when we were walking by or she I don't even know it's like under a pile of blankets I'm not sure I don't know what the fuck's going on but it's uh it's interesting man like Gr- Junction's such an interesting town with its toleration of the homeless uh, people, and you know I don't think you need to come by with like jackbooted police officers and rubber hoses and, and beat the <laughs> fuck out of them, right? But like th- that's a super slippery slope. Yeah. Like when I was in San Diego visiting last time I was there visiting our boy Nick and uh, Jean when they were living there. Like downtown San Diego is a shit show. It's literally become a homeless camp. They have, not semi-permanent, they have like permanent fucking structures that they have built and set up on the sidewalks for blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks. And it's completely unusable for anyone else. And, you know, it started with one. Yep. And, then, and that's the thing. It's like, well, it's just one. And, and you know, you don't want to look like you know, insensitive and all this stuff. So, but dude, like that is a bad fucking message to send to the other homeless people. Like, oh, you can set up a semi-permanent camp on these benches, and they're not going to do anything, and they're not going to do anything. Yep. And then it's like, well, what's the next thing they're going to push? And and they'll keep pushing too. They'll keep pushing. I mean, why yep. not? Like, what the fuck you got to lose?
1: And then that's you know that's where you get situations like San Diego or Skid Row. To where you just fucking, they just infest and take over. Yeah.
2: Oh. And it's like, it's good intentions, right? You got the Catholic outreach over there. We've talked about it before, there's that park, beautiful open space park that no one uses because it's it's called Bum Park.
1: I Man, it is a great park and a great location.
2: Like just two blocks away from Main Street. Yeah. And, uh, nope. No, they nope. have taken, taken it over.
1: No one, no one besides homeless people use that park. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then sometimes you're driving by and you see, like, The outreach people there, they're like setting up, like giving out meals and and stuff right there. And it's like, man, and it's like, this is great intentions, but this is, you know, I don't know. Like there has to be some sort of like, okay, this is the rules. This is how we're going to operate and you can't let it, the the creep, like that's what it is, man. It's like the, the creep of what you're going to tolerate. And then all of a sudden you look around and you're like, holy fuck, how did we get to this point? In I don't want this, like but you just wake up and it's like it's like kind of getting fat, right? You don't do it all at once. It's just tolerating, letting it creep just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and then boom.
1: Then you're trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Yeah.
2: Good luck. Good luck, man. Good
1: luck. I know it's I. I try not to let it frustrate me. You know the homeless situation here in Grand Junction, but it is. it's really agitating. Yeah. You really wish. Dude, our county governor here is fucking weird, man. Like, they don't allow dispensaries. You know, so that's a, it's it's so, like, to me it seems really, they contradict themselves because the very, like, right-wing, Bible-thumping, conservative, no, no, we don't want any weed dispensaries here, you know, kind of old-fashioned. So you would think that kind of person, those kind of people, would be hard on the homeless people. Right, right, right. right. Wouldn't you? Yeah. You, you would think those two ideas... Would it is a weird... Yes. No, go hand in no, hand. No, no, no. Totally. Like, oh, I know exactly what you they, mean. They would like... You know, give the... The eye wink to the cops. Like, hey, go rough, right. up, go rough up a homeless guy once in a yes. while. Send the message. We don't need... Like, the thing... Like, dude, they'll get, they'll
2: get some like aggressive homeless people on yeah. Main Street. Like, harassing people. Yeah. Like, just straight up harassing people. Like, aggressively begging and asking for money and harassing people. And it's like... It's tolerated. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really weird how the... The yeah, like they. I mean, we've we've we know cops, and they they've they've basically been told like you have to treat the homeless uh, population around here with kid gloves. Like you cannot offend them, or yeah, yeah. It's 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 insane.
1: It's 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 really frustrating because we live in such a nice place, such a nice place.
2: Yeah, and I'm not
1: saying you can't provide services for these people, but you can't just let them do whatever the fuck they want. No, and that's what they do. Yeah, as long as they're not. Breaking any major laws, they just let them do whatever they want, man. Well, the thing is, is like, but is that
2: not like a setting up a semi permanent camp? Is that not against the law? Like, I would could think I do so. that? I would think that if I did that, if I did something similar to that, that the cops would say something to me.
1: Probably you would hope, but I mean, I obviously don't know what the laws are.
2: I just, I you know, it, it's just it's just weird that there's certain uh, you know protected classes of people who seem to be able to. Um, you know, have a little bit more impunity with skirting the law than normal folk. Yep. And and they it, it's yeah that that to me that's what's maddening. It just seems like it's a double standard. It is. That if it was me, that I would be treated differently than how you're treating this homeless person. And you're just you're doing it for like why? Like why are we not all just saying look these are the rules we're all being held to these rules. This is how societies function. We were talking about it earlier, right? It's like having one you know asshole in your neighborhood who lets their little dog run around and bark at everybody and it's like you know to them it's like well it's just one you know what's the big deal but it's like no 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 if everybody in this neighborhood had a dog that they let run loose and bark at everybody and shit in everybody's yard like this neighborhood would be much worse so like that's the you know the it's that people don't look at it that way right like you're tolerating that one person doing that because it's just one person doing it but if everyone did that it wouldn't work it wouldn't work at so all. you can't tolerate one person doing it that's how societies work is we think about you know if I don't think about the ripples that my actions cause like that's that's a sociopath right societies cannot function if everyone in it or the majority of people in it are functioning that way if you're not being at least somewhat aware of how you affect and you uh, other people around you and we all know people who just ignore that and are fucking impossible to deal with and so yeah that's that's the thing that frustrates me i'm just like i don't i don't want to, i don't want them to be held to any different standard than i am but it's like look if, if these are the rules if this is the rules that society has agreed upon then let's just, like, why do these people get to fucking skirt them harder than the people who seem to be, like, playing by the rules and living within the system? Like, so, anyways.
1: anyways. Yeah, it's frustrating, man. Yeah. I don't have a good solution.
2: <clears throat> I don't either. That's why I moved to Frida. It's funny. Every once in a while, man, you'll see some homeless person, and you're like, oh, dude, you didn't make it quite far uh, east enough over there. Junction's that way. And I don't know... You know, if they could just get the... Because there's no services here, right? There's, there's no place, Catholic outreach. Yeah, there's no, there's services. no services here.
1: There's no land.
2: I, I get the feeling that the cops are probably a little less tolerant of panhandling and people yep. just standing on the corners and, and just standing there all day begging for money. Yep. So we don't. they don't stick. You know, like I said, every once in a while you'll see one person and it's like, dude, yeah, you're not quite far enough. This is not virgin territory. You know what I mean? The thought is, well, all those other guys are over there. So if I come here, shit, you know, you go to Junction and like literally there's a lot of intersections where you've got just fucking people camped out on every corner uh all day. And so, you know, you show up to town and you you look around and you're like, shit, a lot of the prime real estate's already claimed. I heard this was like homeless paradise. And uh so then you look around and you go like, oh, there's that town fruit over there. Like no one's there, no one's Fucking on the corner begging for money there. There's all sorts of territory for me over there. And it's like, no, no, no.
1: Oh, they make their way out to Clifton. Yeah. There's some certain inter- intersections in Clifton out on the business loop out that way. Yeah. Out by the Gold's Gym. and the, the McDonald's See, Clifton's and attached to
2: Junction, you know. It's, yeah. it's like, it's still part of Junction. Like Orchard Mesa, Clifton, you know, those are all kind of... Uh, you don't see too many... You don't see those motherfuckers in the Redlands. You
1: don't, hell no, you don't see them in the Redlands. <laughs>
2: that's funny though, if you think about it. Rich people. There's, exactly. That's where, like. Rich people got money. Exactly. They, there's, there's intersections with rich people there. Yep. But they got a little <laughs> bit more influence. They got more influence. Yeah, there. you stay the fuck out, man. Yep. Like, look, you guys, it's almost like they just said, look, we're sacrificing downtown Junction. You guys just fucking have at it. So. Remember they shut down the bum camp? They had that bum camp off of the. Uh, the railroad tracks there off of the 5th street bridge yeah yeah that was years ago that was a few years ago yeah they cleaned that up it was just getting dangerous because people literally had to cross a railroad track and it was a a bridge too right there that they would sometimes cross and it was like it's a fucking live railroad track like trains and stuff and so at a certain point I understand it becomes a safety issue but it uh, yeah they had a full on little town over there
1: Bum Village. Bum Village. Bum Village. Fuckers. They,
2: but where do they go? You know what I mean? That, that's part of the problem. It's like you kick them out, but you didn't make it less appealing for them to be here overall, so they're not going to
1: leave. Where are they going to go? That's what they need to do is just make it less appealing for them to be here. Well, that's just it. Simple as that. Yeah. Man, just quit. You know you do? You got the Catholic Outreach, whoever it is, who shows up every Sunday morning at Bum Park providing them with a nice big breakfast. You know, and shit like that. I understand it's good intentions, man, but, well, you know, the saying is well, you know, the good yeah. intentions lead the path. You're doing that out. to
2: make yourself feel better. Feel better you're better. not actually making a fucking difference. No. That, that's to make you feel better. Yep. And you're just, you're buying into the bullshit because the, the reality is, is like, you know, you need to figure out who needs help and what help they need. And that's how you help people. And then you find out that there's some of them that don't really need Want help. help. Need it. yep. Right. It's like they're just taking advantage of the system. So we aren't going to help them, which will force them to take other options. And then you're going to find people who really need help. Like, man, I'm not going to say that person who's camped out on the bench doesn't really need help and need a fucking place to stay. Like, they legitimately need help and need a place to stay. But you know what they get? Breakfast. Yep. So they don't get enough. And some other fuckers that don't deserve it are getting more than they need. And 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 so it's not helping. It's not
1: fucking helping. And it's not fixing the solution. No. Or fixing the problem. No, it's just making you feel be better.
2: better. But that's the problem is, is like the Catholic outreach. Can you imagine, like for them to say, we're going to cut back the services that we're offering the homeless people. Like one, it just, it, I don't, we talk about like, you know, people don't make decisions. They just see the world in a way where a decision is obvious. Like, I don't even think that's a fucking option for them. Right? Like they do not see the world in a way to where, Trying to cut back on services because we have a homeless problem in this area and we need to stop attracting so many freeloaders um, is even a fucking thought, even an option. And then it'd be like a PR nightmare because for some reason, man, like the, the, the it seems like the media around here, the newspapers and shit, like they got a hard-on for the homeless. Yep. So, you know, you well, cut. it makes
1: you, again, it's, it's the optics of it. It makes you look like a good person. It does. It's the optics. It's, yeah. I yeah. Was, it that looks that's,
2: that's, bad to cut down on services. It looks bad to like get rid of bum village, mm-hmm. you know, and just send these people out with like nowhere to go. But it's like, man, that's not, you know, that's not the full story. Like that's just you reporting in a way that makes you feel good.
1: You know, what's funny is it kind of ties into that. So Bernie Sanders was on JRE this past week. right? Yeah. 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 I didn't know what you were telling me. It, it was good. It, and you know they brought up the the problem of the mass shootings. You know, we just had last weekend. We just had those two mass shootings. You know, like within twelve hours of each other, right in El Paso and in Dayton, Ohio.
2: Yeah, I got complete complete ignorance on those things. Already did. I mean, I just it's not out of disrespect. It's just like out of like I'm aware that something happened, mm-hmm. but me looking into the details and knowing exactly what happened and all those things, it's it's not going to help them in any way. Right. It's not gonna help me in any way. And so it's like, you know, I kind of purposefully choose I'm aware of a lot of events, but I don't necessarily like dig into the details when there's not a whole lot that me digging into the details is gonna accomplish right. except like stress frustrate me out, out and frustrate and all those things. And so the
1: other reason I know about some of these world and I I say I know about some of these events. It's a very surface level thing. And right. I listen to um, there's a uh, a podcast. I think it's like ABC or NBC. One one of the major news organizations puts out a, a daily podcast every morning. It's like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and it just kind of recaps the stories of the day and touches every. And it comes out Monday through Friday. And I listen to that in the mornings because it's, it's part of yeah. my morning routine. And mm-hmm. so I, I get you know I, I get a. Reader's Digest version of the world is, you know, yeah, going what's going on in the world, but, anyways, so Joe brought that up to Bernie Sanders. So, those
2: shootings weren't connected in any way, shape, or form, nope. it was just a random well, happenstance, it was random,
1: man. Like, I free whatever one happened first, the El Paso one, the El Paso guy, then he was more like a uh, race motivated, yeah, you know, type, type thing, type thing. From what again, I have very I didn't dig into it, didn't care enough. Yeah. But he was, you know, gunning for all the illegal immigrants and all this, and he went in, you know, he was in Texas, and he just went gunning down everybody he could find in Walmart, but he got arrested, and then the other guy in Dayton, Ohio, uh, didn't appear that way, because he just shot everybody. He was shooting white people, black people, men, women. Dude, he went, he's turned up to, like, this area of downtown Dayton, wherever it was, with, like, his sister and a friend. I think he ended up shooting a sister and a friend, too. So he, just, he just had. He had screws. Them, screws mental, mental you know, breakdown. Yeah, and they they shot him. They, yeah. they killed him before he was on his way into like a crowded nightclub. Yeah. And do more people even want to die? But they they got they gunned him down before he got into the nightclub, I believe. But anyways, the reason I bring that up is because, and how it kind of ties into what we're talking about is, you know, he asked Bernie Sanders like, "Well, what do you do? What's you know what's the solution to this?" And, you know, he touched on, well, okay, let's not, let's get rid of automatic weapons, you know, assault, assault rifles to the general public. Okay, cool. That's great. But he he's like, but, you know, how, okay, how do you implement that? Okay, you tell gun manufacturers to stop making them. Okay, then what do you do with all the ones that are in circulation already? You know, and like, it's a huge fucking problem. You just yeah, go, you can just show up to people's doors. houses. Yeah, you gonna show up back on the door, your taking your guns. Yeah, mm. that's not going to go well. No, no,
2: no. It's not going to go well. And,
1: but he, so he, he's like, Bernie even said, he's like, man, I don't have a good solution for this. He, but he twisted, he's like, he's like, I really think this is a problem of despair. You know, like a mental illness problem. It's a people, mental illness problem. He, Obviously, that
2: dude in Dayton, I mean, that's a mental fucking right. illness issue.
1: But he's like, you know, the, these are diseases of despair. And uh, so we have to fix that. We have to go to that problem. Of Why are these people in such dire straits and just have, and have these diseases of despair? Like the suicide, you know, the rates of suicide are so high nowadays. Uh, and again, it's diseases of despair. We have to go back and look at that and fix that. Bring like you bring the lowest people in our society up. Give them a hand, not handouts. Yeah. Help them. Bring them up, and it'll it'll help correct a lot of those problems. And I, it's not a bad way to look at it. But it's such a huge problem. Like where do you start? And that, that's why I kind of tie it into like yeah. those homeless people because it is There's a lot of those people that are suffering from those diseases of despair and just need help. Right. You know, there is a lot of freeloaders, and those are the ones that really frustrate us. But the people that really need help, man, they. But to sort that out, to sort the people that actually need and want help from the fucking losers that are just a drain on society, you got to look like a calloused asshole. Yeah, even me saying that would piss a lot of people off that's yeah. the truth man like I, I don't want the people that really need help to not get help right I want those people to. I get help. want those people to and get those help. those people want to get help
2: but they need to get the help they need
1: right and it, it's and, and you gotta you're gonna to do that you're gonna have to be an asshole to the fucking right. the, the leeches in society that are just lazy as shit and don't wanna work and just milk the system you're gonna have to be a little bit of a dickhead to find a solution to that and that, see that's where it is people are afraid to be assholes they don't wanna yeah. look like assholes yeah but I you kind of have to, man. Like, <laughs> it's tough, man. I mean, it is dude, tough. Was, tough. Dude, I was
2: watching this, uh, this show on Vice this week, and it was, um, I don't know, I think Weedikit is the name of the show. Obviously, uh, weed is the, the topic, different lifestyle things and stuff. And so they were looking at, the, the backdrop was the economic boom in Denver, and a lot of that has been fueled by the, the marijuana industry. And so the, and, but the, they were, the story was, it was this couple, this this dude and this girl, don't know if they are married, you know, they they already had a a daughter, um, had another kid on the way, but they are basically broke where they were and they heard about Denver, you know, weed and money just flowing. And so, you know, and so they literally used all their money. To get to Denver and they show up in Denver and they're literally like you know broke they got no money and they got to go you know to some uh, charity organization and they get like a a temporary you know hotel room to stay in and they're getting some charity stuff and old boy walks into a weed shop and he asks if like you know they have a a application and because he wants to get a job and they're like yeah well you have to have the credentials Basically, I guess there's like two sets of credentials that you have to have to work in the weed industry. And it, it basically, one's like a $75 fee and the other one's a $250 fee. You got to pass a background check and there's all these things. Like you can't just stroll in. You can't just walk into a fucking weed store. Like, You can't walk into a weed store when you're buying shit. I have to fucking show my license twice, right? And so you think you're just going to walk into a weed store and they're going to like hire you and, and, but you know, I, I he didn't know and so the you know the, you don't look into it you don't research it and it was and it was like that was the guy's plan and when that didn't work out there was no backup plan i didn't watch the rest of the show but it, like at the, at the point where i turned it off like they were getting you know kicked out like their their free lodging place was up and they had no place to go and he still didn't have a job and i was just like what and so now what's going to happen with them Right? And, then, and where do you draw the line? Like, obviously, they need help. They got a kid. Right. Right? And they got another one on the way. So, like, the kid and the other one on the way needs help. Like, if, if that was just a couple, I'd say, like, no, they don't need help. They're, they're fucking the stupid. Kid. They're stupid. They're stupid and they're semi. I don't know what the fucking deal is. It's like, there's not it's not just the weed industry. The money's coming in there's construction, right. I mean, there's so many fucking other things. You are going to tell me you can't get a job sweeping the fucking floor at like McDonald's you at at midnight? Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like you can't be fucking picky, man. You can't be like I'm you know, I only want a job in the weed industry. No. And and that was the thing. And it was like it seemed to me like he showed up and he was like, I'm going to step off the train, and someone's going to hand me a joint and ask me if I want a job and it's going to be fucking awesome. And then it's like, no, that's not what happens, man. And now th- they need help. And so now they're gonna get sucked into the the system because they need help. But it's like because dude, they really need shitty, help.
1: They just made shitty decisions. They just made shitty decisions. Dude, I mean oh give me a fucking break, man. This see this is where I lose patience. It's like, okay, so you're you you gotta support a family. You have one you got a wife or a girlfriend, whatever, a little one and another little one on the way. And you're going to pick up and move to a city without doing any fucking research? Right. Without trying to find a job? Nothing lined up. Nothing planned. Okay, you can have a plan. Okay, I want to work. Dude, again, that was just goddamn ignorance. Like, oh, I want a job in this field. You can go to the fucking library and Google it. Yeah, dig in. What do I need to get hired in this job? You know, you start calling a couple places. Right. I I, I don't even know if you're hiring, but I'm just looking for some information. If I wanted to get hired to you guys, what would you be looking for? Simple question. Right. Dude, if you approach people like that, someone's gonna give you some good information. No. Go to the like, goddamn it, put in the fucking effort. Yeah, see, that's where I get frustrated, man, because there's a lot of things that people are just goddamn lazy. And then when when a bullshit plan that they thought they had falls through, they're not like, oh, woe is me. I fucking need help. Well, no, you're a goddamn retard and you didn't fucking put in the hard work, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, I get fired up. Like I get frustrated. Like just because there's a there's a lot of people that do that. You know, what is it? You know, you, if you plan to, you know, what is it? Fail to plan, the plan. And you plan to fail. Yeah, yeah, man. Dude, planning
2: what? feels good and it's easy, right? It it's easy, that's the thing, like, right? Like he planned, he made up a plan, but not a not a real good one. Not a real one. right. So like telling everybody around you, like, dude, here's my plan. We're blowing this place. We're gonna move to Denver. I'm gonna get a job, man. You know, like saying that. Talking to people like and having that that that, loud, that level of a plan, right. it feels good and it's easy because you don't actually have to put any work in. Like you said, like if that was really your plan, you do it. You said you put right. in some work, but he the, that wasn't the intention. It was the easy way out. What's the easiest way out, man? I'm just gonna move to Denver. I'm gonna find a job because there's a bunch of fucking money in the weed industry, and so and then the whole time you're, while you're traveling, you know, it's not until reality slaps you in the face that you realize like oh wait a minute like you know my plan was a little bit deeper than that but people get used to they just planning feels good and it's easy implementing the plan is a completely different like implementing a good plan coming up with a good plan and implementing that is a completely different thing and you can always tell the people that like man you don't You're not going to fucking succeed. Like, you don't want this.
1: No, and... You can see
2: where you sabotaged yourself fucking three steps ago.
1: And coming up with a big plan, like you said, feels good. And that's easy. Easy. But when it gets down to what is step one? Okay, let's call step one. You have the plan. You want to do this. Great. What's step two? What's the cost of living there? About how much do I need to make to survive? I'm here... The end result is I'm yeah. working
2: at a weed store making enough money to support my family. Like, there are steps, steps between those two things.
1: Okay, so then, okay, I'm just gonna walk into a weed store and get hired. Really? You think that's gonna happen? You can just walk in someplace and get a job? Like, yeah, man, I just, I don't understand. I just, I don't have tolerance for fucking people being ignorant like that. I understand making mistakes. We all make, dude, I've made so many stupid decisions in my life, and I'm probably gonna make a whole bunch more stupid decisions. But you learn from them and you grow. And if, if you just make a bad decision, you make a mistake, that's understandable. But just being fucking ignorant. And- yeah.
2: So like what that guy needs is help learning how to think better and plan better. He doesn't right. need a handout. He doesn't need food stamps and money and, and a way to subsidize his ignorance. He needs to get out of ignorance. Yep. Like that's the that's the way out of that. And that, that's not the that's not what we do because to do that is to cast a judgment. Right. right, is to say that your way of thinking now is inferior to another way of thinking. And so that's a judgment and saying that and and you know, now I'm, you know, judging you and who are you to judge me? And so people don't wanna do that, right? We were, you don't wanna make those judgment calls, you wanna feel good about it. And uh but yeah, man, you gotta fucking you gotta do it. So
1: Man, it's frustrating, man. I do. I get fired up for that. Just laziness. Later, you know, seeing lazy people or seeing people half-ass things, dude. Man, I have a hard time looking past it. Yeah, like, I re- really do. Because there's just no reason for it, man. Where you afraid to break a fucking sweat? You afraid? To yeah. Are you afraid to do some hard work? You're I afraid-
2: mean, I think a lot of it is like on some level, it's ignorance. I, I I think that man, if you don't know how to, if you don't know how to problem solve, right? Like like there's three things that I try to, you know, when I'm meditating, talking to the universe, whatever, and I'm like, I try to, I, I feel like I do a good job of, of achieving these things, which is, you know, being a good learner, being a good problem solver, and being a good coach. I think, like, if you can, those three things are the key to, like, almost anything. Everything. Everything, man. Like, if, if you if you know how to learn, if you know how to... Figure out the problem to solve. Part of problem solving is figuring out the right problem right, to solve. I,
1: I was just gonna bring that up. Like that goes into jitsu So yes, why, are you solving the right? Are problem? Are you solving the right problem? And A lot sometimes of times you're not.
2: Yeah, and you're and you're working hard. You're you're coming up with great solutions to the wrong, the wrong fucking, fucking problem. problem yep. But you know, problem solving and then coaching. I just I feel like that's basically can you teach someone what you know, and and it not only helps to like reciprocate like hey man someone helped you along the way and you paying that forward and helping someone else along the way but coaching is really the best way to learn something if you really want to learn something teach it to someone else and that will force you to learn it on a level that you'll never learn it without that extra element and so but you know you don't get that's not what you get taught in school right you don't get taught like hey man here's the key to life you need to be a good learner you need to be a good problem solver and you need to be a good coach, able to help other people and and think in a way to to teach other people. Um, So you end up with those kinds of situations. So you need to, like, teach them that. But what, what do you do, though, with people that just refuse, right? You're giving them all the tools in the world to get themselves out of the situation, but they're just, like, stuck in this mental loop that they don't even recognize, and they just refuse to fucking do it. And then, like that's where it gets it yeah, gets well, tough, man. Well, what do you do at that point? Let that person just starve to death because they're an idiot.
1: And, Back know, in the day, we would, you know, that's how the tribe know, worked. But we if, it, if it's just an adult, I, you know, if it's just an adult, I'm almost inclined to be like, yeah, dude, like you're a victim of your own ignorance and your own bad choices. But once they reproduce and there's a little kid, man, I know. You, you've got to take care of that little kid. I know
2: that's the hard part. That's the, and
1: I no matter how stupid that person is. And whether I want to, you know, I'll cast judgment on it. Like, hey, man, you don't have your life together. Maybe you shouldn't be fucking reproducing yet. Right. Oh, uh, but, what you did. Cool, man. But now you need to step your game up. Yeah. Your feet, you got to take care of a little kid. You got to lead by exam. Not only do you just got to provide a good environment for that kid so he turns into a good human being. And he just gets nutrients he needs and everything else. But, like, you got to lead him, give him an example. Yeah. Like, if you, are you trying to build a good human being? Like and mold a good human being. Like okay, so what? It because man, like and I I see that with you guys. You know, watching you and Kiyeli. Like yeah, you you tell Z and Shiloh like hey, you think about this, do this and this. But it's way more about examples like how you guys lead your life yeah that's dude and kids see so much man yeah kids see more talk blue. is cheap man talk is cheap they dude. know when
2: mommy and daddy say one thing and do another yes dude they're, they're smart not stupid.
1: they're not dumb man yeah. they see so much more than you can imagine yep and so yeah you just yeah once you start reproducing have little kids involved like yeah that's yeah. the things uh, i don't
2: understand like how do you you know your situation's fucked Right? And, and no offense, just by the look of them, it didn't look like their situation got fucked overnight. You know what I mean? It looked like this has been a, a, a long road to that point. So it's like, you, you know, you already had what? Like, how do, you, how do you have one kid and another one on the way? I don't understand that. I, that's the thing I can never wrap my mind around. It's like, dude, birth control is literally free everywhere. Yep. Like, there's almost no excuse for a woman to be getting pregnant in this fucking day and age... With, without the means to support it, and the intention, and all of those things.
1: Did you that, dude? We're just we're pissing off the fucking world today, talking about all these things. But yeah, that, that I see that all the time. I just question. don't understand.
2: That's such a bad decision. It's
1: such a bad decision, man. And it doesn't
2: it's, just affect you. No, it You want to be, you want to be a fuck off, and you want to fuck your own life up.
1: Great, but why do you have to have two, three fucking like? And yeah, and it's usually you just see those same people. Okay, you have one kid, and you weren't, you know, ready for it. Right. You made a mistake. Learn from it. Learn from it, man. Do the best job you can with that kid. But then they have another one. That's why. Yeah. They have two, three, four, five kids, and you don't have your own life together yet. Like, what in the fuck is going on? I know. And for us to say that, dude, like we look like assholes, but we're not being assholes, man. We're just telling how it is. Yeah. We're saying that we're we're not. Dude, there's so
2: many ripples from that. Like a fucked yeah. up parent, like the, the kids are proxies for the fucked up parent. Yep. Like unfortunately, fucked up parents tend to have, you know, kids that are a little fucked up on some level. And it, I don't consider the kid to be fucked up because they don't know any better. They are just a proxy for their situation. But then, that situation spills over because then those kids hang out with other kids, and then they're. Talking and doing and and shit. So like, you know, you're you're a parent and you're working hard to try to like raise your kid, right? But you know now but they're interacting with kids who've got fuck off parents that are letting them be exposed to things that are not appropriate and shouldn't be and then they're exposing your kids to it and it's like So it's not just their problem like when people look at it and it's like, oh, you know It's not my problem or they can do what they want and it's like I don't know what the answer is I'm not saying you should fucking sterilize anyone I'm not saying we (laughs) need to have like a license or whatever to have kids I don't know what the I'll I'll pull the Bernie Sanders I don't know what the answer is right you know and like him I just won't pretend like I do and run for office anyways um but there I I believe that you know at some point like there was a, a general shame felt for having a kid out of wedlock there was society frowned heavily on having kids out of wedlock, and that is probably like that becoming that norm switching is it's been detrimental to society man like i don't I don't believe that people need to get the fucking scarlet letter and you know right. girls that get pregnant need you know that that that's not the answer, but you know this you know this single mom. Culture of like you know it's 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 almost kind of celebrated to be a single mom and it's not looked down on in any way to have multiple kids with sometimes multiple men and And out of wedlock right
1: and and, yeah like Like it's
2: almost like it's the opposite of not saying anything it's almost like celebrating like you're so strong for for pulling together for those kids and I'm just like. You're so fucking stupid for having those kids in the first place. Yep. It's like in jujitsu, man. How do you get out of a fucking fully locked up rear naked choke?
1: Don't get there. Don't
2: fucking get there. You don't celebrate the fact that they're struggling so hard against the rear naked choke. No. You, you, you fucking point out like, asshole, you, and you point out to the fucking class too. That's not how you do it. You fucked up eight you steps You fucked up ago. eight
1: steps ago. You yep. shouldn't have had those kids. Yep. That's the fucking answer. See, but the problem is, man. As society, it's not it's not okay for us to be talking. No, about you this. can't judge anyone on anything. No, man, like, that's casting judgment. Did you know how many? I mean, <laughs> our two hundred listeners. Yeah, our two hundred listeners already know the type of people we are, so we're not gonna piss them off. And if we do, you know, so be it. Because these are the kind of conversations that need to be had. Because we're not—we're not trying to be assholes. We're not casting judgment, saying
2: they're very real problems. These are problems that need man. to be addressed. But
1: see, as a society, people don't talk like this. No, it's frowned upon. Like, hey, man, we're not
2: uncomfortable. Problems are ignored.
1: Yes, they, they ignore them. Doesn't give you a solution to them. Huh. They don't go away. No, they don't go away. They never man. go away. Never go away. And and that's what it is. Like, and you know, people's. We don't live in vacuums, man. Even if you think
0: you do, which sometimes I try to pretend I do, like everything you do has effects on people around you, man.
1: Your, Your friend, your loved ones, your family, your close friends, even your neighbors. Everybody, man, you affect everybody you touch and interact with. And to pretend that doesn't exist is just foolish. Yeah, it's just it's 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 really selfish to think like that. Yeah, and yes. I don't know. Yeah. No good solution, man. Just get your shit together is the your solution. You know, like, we talk about it all the time. Almost every time I teach beginner's class, what do I say at the end? Hey, fucking
2: don't wear your sh- fucking bare feet in the bathroom. No, hey, <laughs> I say it, but, but
1: I always, like, I, I'll give some sort of rule like that, but I always bring it back to, hey, it comes down to take care of yourself. Yep. And then in turn, taking care of yourself, when you show up on the mat, you are the best version of yourself that day. And in turn, you make your training partners and your friends the best version of themselves, or at least you're tempted to. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Let the good ripples go out and affect everybody.
2: That's it, man. I think that that's the thing. Is like it's not even enough. Like you have to have the intention of being a positive influence and having a positive effect on people. Like just I don't I don't believe that it's it's you're able to be neutral, right? Like choosing to be neutral is still like choosing to not be positive. And, and so it could be either way. And so, but you act you not actively choosing to be positive is in some way still choosing to be negative sometimes. Like, because there is no neutral. Like, I don't, I don't believe that you're able to, you know, go through life on a, on a day. You might have like a neutral interaction with a person, but at the end of the day, there's going to be a net outcome of your interactions with other people and, and the environment around you. And was it a net positive or a net negative um, influence? And you have to actively think about and try to be positive. Because if you don't, like, I mean, like, I, I just know, like me, I'm a grumpy motherfucker. If I'm neutral, it's probably negative. Like, I'm, I'm being negative and unknowingly. And so, like, I have to actively think. Again, like, one of the things I... I you know, try and, and put in my mind when I'm meditating is like, you know, have a positive influence on the people that I interact with today. And so but yeah, you have to have that intention, um, or you're just gonna end up unknowingly having bad effects and, and unknowingly doing it isn't Doesn't any it better okay. and it's exactly still there. It's yeah. It's still there, it still happens. Yeah. Those ripples are still causing a negative side effect to someone else and and you just choosing to not you know, you didn't choose to do it, but you choosing not to do it is you're making a choice. You're making a
1: choice. Not choosing is choosing. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. So, anyways, damn,
1: there you go. I'm solving the world's problems today, boy.
2: It's they would only be reasonable and see it our way, <laughs>
1: motherfuckers. We'll see how just
2: that even, goes, just man. Even listen. That's funny, dude. It is funny. So, um,
1: Whew. That's funny. <laughs>
2: I got a fun fact for you. <laughs> All right, change. Shift gears? The Japanese use more paper to print manga than to make toilet paper every year.
1: What's happening, what's manga?
2: The, the Japanese comic books that read backwards. Oh, I didn't know. The ones that Shiloh's all into.
1: Okay, I didn't know they read backwards. I'm, I'm completely unaware of this.
2: Yes, no, it's a certain type of, uh, of comic, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll have okay. her grab one. I'll have her explain it. Shiloh. What? Grab a manga book. Grab a One Punch Man, and bring it in here. You need to show it to Rob and explain what it is. Pokemon Not, you know, pick out one card and you can you can uh, have a Pokemon of the of update. the podcast yep.
1: update. So our listeners have been asking for the Z.
2: That's right, Pokemon update. Yes, so I mean, we've had one or two of them. So Rob was not actually aware of manga and what it no. is. no, so no.
0: This is the uh, Book three of One Punch Man, a very and popular. It is backwards and everything. Like yep, it... it's a left-handed book. I you, like to you say. read
1: you read it that way.
0: Yeah, the in the back, the very back page just uh-huh. has.
1: You're reading the wrong way. Huh? I didn't even had no idea that was a thing. Really?
0: Yeah.
2: No. So I mean, but this is that's where One Punch Man came from. It's a, oh, okay. it's a and it's a you know an art you know kind of is tied into
1: anime. Dude, I gotta get one of those. So a lot it's... of anime cartoons yeah, really... are. Is there a whole bunch of One Punch Man books yeah. just like that? Yeah, yeah. that's the, yeah, oh. the
0: creators, that's where the idea comes from. There's, yeah, manga's everywhere, too. If, yeah. It's
2: a huge thing. And obviously, like I said, in Japan, they, they use more paper to print these comic books, these manga comic books, than toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's insane. So, yeah, we were watching a show last night on Netflix called Enter the Anime which was a very well well disguised advertisement for the anime shows on Netflix. Mm-hmm. At the very end they said and you realize like all of the shows that they covered and talk about are available on Netflix, but it is a really cool look at just anime, the the world of anime and just the different styles and people and influences and like yeah, it's uh it's it's cool. It was it was a good show, cool. but anyway,s that was one of the fun facts.
0: Cool. Yeah. Thank you, Shiloh. Yes, of course. Always happy to share my manga.
2: <laughs> All right. So Z is here with a a Pokemon card update. So he's gonna share a Pokemon with us and give a give us some stats on it.
0: Um, I got this pack today. Um, its name is Torpedo. It has hundred ten hit points. It's a Darkness type. And my dad bought it for me. He had some extra GameStop money. It does sixty plus damage, and it's rare.
2: Yeah, shark or Sharpedo. Sharpedo.
0: It, it's like um a shark that's made out of metal, but yep. it but it doesn't have the tail.
2: No, nope. cool.
0: And on the. F- on the fen, it actually has, like, little cuts on it.
2: Yeah, yeah. From battles, probably. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks thanks for it. the update.
0: Mm-hmm. And it has a star on its nose. Yep. Very
2: cool.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All,
2: right. All right. Thank you, Z. Thanks, buddy. Yep. See thanks, Shiloh. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Aka snuck in. We'll see if he Behaves, behaves himself. himself today. And boom,
1: he didn't eat that big old bone I brought
2: him. He's a weirdo, man.
1: No, I don't smell it on his breath.
2: No, he's a weirdo. He might get after it, but it's just, he's a, he's an interesting dog. There's certain dog things, like chasing the splashes, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I throw a stick, he doesn't want to get it in the water, but I chase splashes all day long and then he'll chase a fucking log. Like if it's, if a it's literally log. a log, then he wants to get the damn thing and drag it back in the shore. But it's, uh, yeah. Hmm. Who knows? I tried, man. I scored no, dude, old, it was awesome.
1: Big old bag of beef and <clears> the butcher.
2: I'm sure he'll end up getting after it. At he some got point. you.
1: He it's he's still an animal. Yeah, it's still in his DNA somewhere.
2: Fuck yeah, dude. Anyways. All right. So there you go. There's your fun fact.
1: Manga. I got. Do go. I want to get? It. I'm gonna start getting those One Punch Man books. I'm gonna as soon as we get done recording today. I'm going online. Well, sometime today. Yeah. Go online and find me.
2: you know who else is all into like manga and and uh, anime shit. Uh. Big Chris is he he is I man didn't know, I didn't yeah know him that. and Shiloh like talk about it every time he comes down then oh, i, I didn't know have that. a little discussion of oh did you see this and yeah i like this and yeah oh there you go it's awesome
1: <laughs> it's a thing it's funny you don't even
2: know it and then all of a sudden you're like looking around you're like holy shit this what is, is this thing, thing. Yep. Hmm. so cool yeah what uh
1: japanese culture is an interesting thing Speaking of that, of man, days. I finished reading. Did was, you? I finished Musashi. Okay. The the I forget what's the author's name. E E J something. Uh, yeah, whatever. Whatever.
2: Did you know? Another fun fact, and I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is it. That was originally a serialized novel in a newspaper.
1: Yeah, I think I read that. Yeah. I think they, does. I think that book opens and explains that. Yeah, yeah like premise, I mean, that's probably where I got I, it from I, I think, I, or not, I've read it somewhere. That's yeah. fucking
2: crazy, dude. Basically, like, this story was ongoing, printed for free in the newspaper, basically, for, like, how long? And, yeah, now it's a novel, but... And then, anyway. so I
1: finished reading that, and then now I'm reading The Long Samurai. Oh, you got it. Yeah, I grabbed that. Okay. I was like, yep, that's gonna be my next one. I actually, like, I was about 50 pages from finishing Musashi, and I was like... Well, I want to read this one next, so I ordered that up, and it showed up like a Turk, you know, it gets to your house in two days. Yeah, glorious Amazon, it turns up at my house, and then like I finished Musashi that day, and I picked up Lone Samurai, got right into that. Got so, into that, so, so Benisuke. I'm, like, six, and then I'm like sixty pages into that, seventy pages into the Lone Samurai. Yeah, it's good,
2: man. It gets it starts out fucking strong. Hopefully, Benisuke, that was his original. That's his name.
1: Who Musashi?
2: Yeah. Because Musashi a, was a territory.
1: Right. I mean, that's where you know he was from. Or, yeah. You know, no, Musashi was his family That name. was his family name. He was from Miyamoto.
2: Mi- Miyamoto area. Yes. but But ben- Benosuke was his... T-
1: t- I thought it was his first name or it started with a T, didn't it? Tekenzo? Tekenzo? T-
2: no. That's Takawan, dude.
1: No, that's the, that's the uh, priest.
2: Right. Exactly.
1: No, I'm I'm 99% sure. All so right, well, we're gonna have a
2: quick little. I got it here on my Kindle. We got a debate, so we'll, we'll pull it up here. But
1: uh, I th- I'm almost positive his name started with a T. So I always screw up Japanese names because they give the last name first a lot of times when they're giving the name. Oh yeah. So that no, screws you up, but but anyways, dude, that, they talk. You why are looking that up? So that the. There's a couple of stories. And there's a lot of them about his battles that are awesome. But the one I just got done reading is where the, the dude turned up at his dojo with a couple of his followers. <laughs> right. And challenged uh, Musashi to a you know a comparison of techniques. Yep. And Musashi whooped his ass with a log. They grabbed a piece of firewood. A piece of firewood. He was carving something, and he looked up from his carving and seeing this guy wanted a challenge and he looked around, he's like I'm going to whoop this dude's ass with a piece of firewood, <laughs> And he picked up a piece of firewood and whooped the dude's ass. Whooped his ass. And then is
2: he the guy that he fucking helped? Like, like, uh, like somebody he injured a little bit.
1: No, this one he didn't. He whooped this dude's ass and sent him on away. way. The next one is another guy turned up with a few of his followers. And Musashi had two wood swords. And his long sword and his short sword. And... He toyed with the guy for a while to show him how good his technique was. Yeah. Then he he stabbed the guy in the cheek at the end, but then he helped him. I mean, he didn't kill him. Yeah, 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 that was right. He, you know, showed compassion. That was later on in Musashi's life. He started, he decided not to end all his battles with death.
2: Yeah, that was, uh... He came uh, to
1: a turning point. Kind of after... Kojiro. After he killed Kojiro. On Island. Yeah, he, uh decided, hey, I can prove my superior technique without yeah. having to kill yep. everybody. At
2: that point, yeah, he would just make people realize, like, fuck, like, this dude could kill me at any point, and he's choosing he's not right. to. And, yeah, they'd realize that and be like, you win. You, win, yeah. you fucking win, dude. Yeah, no, his name was, uh, yeah, Benasuke Miyamoto Benasuke hmm. was his given name. And then he took on the, uh, yeah, Miyamoto Musashi so
1: anyways okay cool anyways that was wrong yeah
2: young yeah. uh, Benesuke
1: it's good man I like learning about him
2: yeah you'll like Lone Samurai there's a lot of good stuff I, I it was good for me to read it's been a while every once in a while I, I gotta go back and read some Musashi shit yeah. cause it puts your your frame of mind back where it needs to be for, uh, especially on, for jujitsu, on the way of the sword on the way of the sword the way just, of the, just the, way, the way you know like that was his thing it's like his was the way of the sword but like knowing one way you'll know all the ways sort of thing and by knowing all the ways you'll know more about your way yeah. so yeah that was uh it's interesting he um one of the things i took away from the that book was that musashi treated swordsmanship like jiu-jitsu Whereas like your traditional swordsmanship was more like your karate, you know, Taekwondo where there's white belt techniques. You don't have access to the next level techniques, dude, until you get past your white belt. And then, you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a starting point and then there's an ending point. And, and a lot of times there's, you know, secret techniques that you have access to when you become a black belt in, you know, a lot of these, you know, tr- more traditional martial arts. You know, we've talked about this before. Like jiu is the complete opposite of that. That's what makes it beautiful, that's what makes it hard. Um is there is no when you start, there are no secrets, right? There's nothing that you don't have access to as a day one white belt that you have access to as a 20-year black belt. Right? Well,
1: yeah, we all have access we, to the same, same stuff. info,
2: man. There's nothing that's being hidden. There's no hidden info that's not allowed to be shared with people at a certain level. And so, and then also that, that there is no one way that like I'm going Your way is going to be your way. And so, you know, that's how Musashi approached training people. And it was very, very different than your traditional sword schools, which were the more like you start, you learn these techniques, and then we reveal more and more techniques to you. And there's usually some secret that we're teaching you, that this school has this secret. And Musashi's like, there are no fucking secrets. There are no secrets. I'm not going to hide anything from you. There are no secret techniques. I'm gonna, you have access to everything from day one. It's just, it's on you to fucking process it and then figure out how you walk the way with it. So,
1: on that note, though, I do believe that as a coach and as a senior student in Jiu Jitsu, that the onus falls on you on what information to give and when. Right. Too, yep. because there's definitely you about that too yeah there's definitely things that people aren't ready for right you can tell it to them but it's it's not going to do them any good and it may hinder them so it's it's a, it's a little bit of a dance because everybody's different too everybody you're trying to teach is it's different right like how do I need to how do I need to present this information to him to get him to see the value in it right and that, and that comes with being a coach
2: yeah and see, there's there's a difference between secret techniques or secret information and techniques and information that you're not ready for yet. Correct. I'm not hiding them from not you. Not hiding. No, right. It's just you're not ready for this stuff yet. I can tell you. I can I'll tell, tell you. Right. But I'll it'll tell confuse you. All, you. It'll I'll it'll tell you
1: how I'm seeing this. Right. And you're you're just it's not. You're right. I'm trying to teach you trigonometry, and you're just now learning how to count on your yeah. fingers. Yeah. You yeah. It's it's different. There's
2: still a process that you have yeah. to go through, but like I said, that was. That was one of the things that I took in reading through that. I, like, it finally dawned on me. I was like, oh, this is like jujitsu versus taekwondo or, you know, like these, you know, karates with the, with the death mock or the, de- you know, dimock mock fucking death touch that you'll learn when you reach 10th dawn black belt or whatever that is at 13 years old. Right. And, uh, <laughs> cause you're fucking black belt at five. Um, you know, there, there's a difference. There's a fun, we like. We know it, right? Like we we talk about it, and we know as a jujitsu community that there's a fundamental difference between those two approaches towards teaching the martial arts, and that I strong. I, I'm obviously biased. I believe that that that's the right way. The way that jujitsu does it is the best way. That you know, secret techniques and bullshit is not. And so, but yeah, it just dawned on me when I'm reading. I'm like, oh. He treats this like jujitsu, yep. and that was his breaking point with the the traditional way and and the the establishment, and uh, and I think that's why he appeals so much to martial artists still and you know guys like us because it's like yes because if you have experiential knowledge of this shit you realize there are no secrets there's no fucking secret technique that's gonna get you through mm-hmm. everything every time, so no yeah
1: it's definitely no that that's where. You know, when you're teaching teaching a technique, especially to new people and beginners, you know, you always get the... And after I've complained about this before. You always get the what if. Or what if he does this? And what if he does that? And, and, dude, if you entertain that, you can be there for the next 20 years of your life answering what if he does this? What if he does that? You know, because there's always an answer to it. You know, you're, when you're showing an escape or submission to somebody, there's always a counter to it. And so it's just... It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is, man. And, it, 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 cause it, and then it comes down to, like we were talking about before, like before we went on our whole social rant, is uh, problem solving. Are you solving the right problem? That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, being able to look at the situation and deciding what problem am I trying to solve. i like, oh shit, that pro- I don't need to solve that problem anymore. It's time to solve the next one. Or if you're trying to prevent a problem from happening... But you're creating more problems for yourself by trying to prevent this problem. You know, it all yeah. comes down to problem solving and being able to see what problems you're solving.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yep. No, man, I said that before. I just don't. That's why I get frustrated because I realize I just when I get stuck in in a position or something's giving me trouble in jujitsu, I just realize it's I'm just not seeing the problem you're right. Seeing the problem. You're not I seeing got, the right problem. I'm not right. seeing the right problem. I can look for techniques all day long, and you know, but yeah, until I see the problem differently, so. Yeah, man.
1: That's something you know. I've definitely had to learn, like you've helped me become a better learner, like the way you learn and see things, and and it's also helped me too, because I know, like, when I want to show you something, like I come up with something, like I know if I don't, I gotta figure out how I'm going to explain it to you before I bother <laughs> trying to explain it to you, because it's not it's not gonna sink in, <laughs> it's not gonna get us anywhere. So there's always a thought process, okay? like, oh, I I, I want to show this to James, but. How am I gonna structure this so he sees? <laughs> like it, it, it's a process. Yeah. To help you because know, the way you think about process is yeah yeah it's it's an interesting thing. It is man. <laughs> I like to
2: know why. You do like to know why. I like to know why. So so I have a question, okay. actually a why question. I like to know why. Okay. This is a uh, um I was listening to the Matt Byrne podcast and I picked up on a on a small degree. Of what I believe to be a little bit of hypocrisy, potential hypocrisy in the in the jujitsu community on some level. Okay. And I'm curious to get your feedback on it. Alright. So stripes don't really matter, right? Especially after you get like past purple belt. We've had this discussion. Right. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I mean really they shouldn't matter it shouldn't they, matter they help people feel good about you know seeing progress right and that. but in in the grand scheme of things no nah, like I'm not a huge fan of the stripes so
2: if somebody's like man I don't give stripes you know you're not necessarily opposed to that like once somebody hits like purple belt you know through black belt well, I'm not giving stripes
1: yeah I don't I don't see anything wrong with that yeah but. yeah so but why do they
2: call a stripe a degree on a black belt I have idea it's the same piece of tape it's a stride
1: yeah because he's not a three-stripe black belt right he's a you know third degree but black you belt.
2: call it a degree and it's
1: different it's a good question i and i don't know where the history of that comes from like why why it's because it's dude i've been in martial arts since i've been five years old like yeah. i started in Tang Sudo back when i was five right, right i mean i ran like, i went through that and hakito blah 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 and there and i to the best of my knowledge and my experience, all the martial arts, once you get to black belt, they're always degrees or doms. Oh, he's a fourth dom black belt. Remember, right, right, Or a fourth degree black belt or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. And I have no idea where that came from.
2: Yeah, well, I, I can see why, right? Because up until black belt, you have a way to distinguish between skill and experience level. It's just the fucking color of the belt. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that you can have a, a black belt who got his black belt last week and you can have... A dude who's been a black belt for fucking 20 plus years. And there's definitely a difference, you know, probably on, in, in their level of knowledge and experience and things like that. And so I can understand why among the black belt community, you would want to have some system for being able to distinguish between experience and, uh, um, uh, you know, time on the mat and stuff. So I, I guess like, to me, it's, it's not that I don't think that we should get rid of the degrees. I just I – just, I'm like, well, if they're important, if they're, then they're important for everyone. Why, why am I not a second-degree purple belt?
1: <laughs> Instead of a two-stripe purple belt? Yeah, right?
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Why is it a stripe you, on a color there, belt?
1: There's no one telling you. And that they're
2: quote-unquote not, not important, but you get to black belt, and they're a degree, and they're very important.
1: There is no one telling you that you cannot call yourself a second degree purple belt.
2: I believe Kevin would probably tell me that.
1: <laughs> if, if not, if not verbally, then physically. There's only one way to find out. Present this to him. Say, "Hey, from now on, I would like I identify, I be refer- I identify as I identify as a second degree purple belt. I yes. do not want to be referred to as a two stripe purple belt. Yep. I find this offensive. Yep, and I
2: feel demeaned. That's right." Right, so see give me a shot,
1: see where how many cross races it's gonna right exactly lead you to eating. It's
2: just, it's uh, but anyways, I just thought it was an interesting question because it was, it was funny. Uh, the, the, the question of degrees for black belt came up because it was you know, like, is it fair or you know, to because typically I think what is it, every three years, three years. you get yeah, a degree,
1: I think it's every three years up until like the third one. And then after the third one, it turns into like five years, I think, to get your fourth. I can't remember exactly, but that's kind of of the system.
2: So, um, and again, the question was, is it it right that someone who has been competing and teaching and, um, you know, maybe not necessarily like performing at a super high level, but you've been really active, you're taking, you know, multiple classes a week versus a guy who takes two classes a week, doesn't coach, doesn't compete after the same three years they're promoted on the same day after the same three years they both get a degree on their black belt is that fair that was kind of the question that was uh presented i don't know as a black belt i can't speak on this at all so but you are so i mean what do you think
1: Eh, there's levels to the game i don't i don't like the just getting a stripe for years of black belt Because, again, it seems hypocritical because we're like... Yeah, because I definitely don't... Like, that's in the lower
2: belts. That'd be like a time-based system for lower belts. I
1: don't like a time-based system for lower belts. Right, exactly. I don't either, and we've talked about... And I am not hypocritical in that. I don't like the time-based system for black belts. Right. And, honestly, I don't even see the point of doing the stripes for black belts. Like, okay, you get three years, here's your stripe. You know, six years, here's another stripe, like... I know. Well, again... Whatever it is what it is, and I can give two shits about it. And it's...
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's interesting. When you sit back and you think about it, right? You just remove yourself from like, okay, I I just... There's a way that, as a member of the jiu-jitsu community, you think, right? And then it's like, sometimes you got to step out and think like, okay, wait a minute. Like, am I just kind of like thinking a certain way because this is the way everyone else thinks? And like, you don't question this thing? And... But it is hilarious, I think if you really just sit back and break it down, it's like everything that people say and poo-poo on about the lower belt is time-based system for a lower belt. you know if you show up for a, a, you know this, this amount of years, you know, this amount of classes you're getting your belt regardless of skill level progression, anything like that. Um, and, and then stripes don't matter, but then you get to the black belt.
1: Then all of a sudden it's, it's exactly a that. It's a, it's a time-based system. Time-based
2: system, and you're getting stripes, and they're important. I,
1: I think, I guess, how, how do I word this? So, I really like how you know they don't just give out rank. Most jitsu schools don't just give out ranks, right? You know, from blue on up to black, because that is their name. You know, you got a patch on your back, and you got a strap around your waist. It should mean something. You know, it's not like, you know, it's not like a lot of those bullshit traditional martial arts to where, you know, some six-year-old kid can do a a kata right, then all of a sudden he's a black belt. Right. You know, it is a, jiu-jitsu is a combat, you know, effective, effectiveness-based martial art. Like, you you either can whoop somebody's ass or you can't. And, yeah, and, and I think... Again, you know, it's, it's a good question. You know, I haven't thought that much about it. This is probably the most I've ever thought about it. Yeah. To, you know, and I think I'm probably in the norm to where if you ask a lot of black belts, a lot of black belts are like, yeah, I can give a fuck less about those stripes. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't. And, and, and a lot of, it, you'll see a lot of um, black belts when they turn up to competitions, they have a competition black belt and there's no stripes on it because the belt they wear on a daily basis is all tore up. And it doesn't meet up to IBJJF standards, anyways. So they have, they they got some super lightweight, flimsy bullshit competition black belt, but the one they wear every day has got the stripes on it. Um, yeah, I, I bet you most. I would have to assume most black black belts don't give a fuck about that. Yeah. You know, what I mean, once you, because once the, you know the the accomplishment really is, you know, earning the jiu jitsu black belt. That's a lot of fucking blood, sweat, and tears and years on the mat to earn it. And after that, you realize, oh, I still don't know shit, and you still got to put in years and years of blood, sweat, and tears, and you know whatever, fuck the stripes, who cares?
2: I yeah, I I agree. It's just like I said, it was just a a, I detected a a a hint of hypocrisy. There is with how the two situations are looked at and talked about and viewed.
1: There is some hypocrisy there. Uh Oh,
2: are you leaving? I'm leaving. Okay. Hey, Hi. we got. Oh, we got on We got all the Wilsons <laughs> on, one on the podcast. podcast. Monumental so, episode here. That's awesome.
0: We're uh, going to get the saxophone and pay her athletic fee and drop off some paperwork. Have fun. Okay. You All right. right? Yeah.
2: It's <laughs> a lot of stuff. <laughs> See you around. Good luck. Kids yeah, got school starting next week. Stella's playing saxophone again. Awesome. So. I'm pumped on that. I'm glad she likes it. Like, she wanted to do it. She wanted, yeah, to yeah, yeah. Time. It was like, What do you want to do for your electives? And the first thing she's like, Band, I miss playing saxophone. Oh, that's good, yeah. No, when was the last time she played? It's It's been a year year or, or two, yeah, something like that. So, she played the two years. It was last, yeah, it's been a year. She played the two years she was at Cap Rock, and then last year was her first year at the uh, with Grand Valley, uh, or the Grand River, whatever, Grand River Academy. And um, doing the homeschool thing. They don't have a band there, obviously. So it's, uh, but yeah, we just didn't get her hooked up with the band through Frida. So now she's uh, doing it.
1: That's good. Yeah. It's cool she wanted to do it.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, music's great. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing I kind of wish I played saxophone for a few years and I enjoyed it and then just let it go. And I think having some sort of musical talent, I mean, at least having the experience of doing it is awesome. But yeah, I wish I had a little bit more. All I can do is fucking play happy birthday on the guitar.
1: I have zero musical talent.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's dude it's interesting. I don't know if I've told you this the the I was in was it fucking sixth grade probably? Yeah. And the music teacher or band teacher, I guess, probably the same motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so he came around and they did this like test. Where they were just kind of like testing like rhythm or, or something I don't know I don't even remember man but I just you know was taking the test and I'm just a competitive motherfucker I got to do well on everything so I'm trying to kill this fucking of this music test and and I don't want to do band right. right and so he actually called my parents and told them that I did really well on the test thing that they did And that he really thought that I should do band. And so, right until this moment, I never realized that he may have just fucking called every kid's parents and told them (laughs) that. (laughs) That's so funny.
1: You just now realize that.
2: Yeah, this whole time I've been going around like 100% proud of myself. But now I'm only about like 75% (laughs) proud of myself.
1: wait a second. They didn't have enough kids. How are they going to recruit more kids? Oh, let's just tell them they... Will probably do really good at it. Hey man,
2: you're really talented, man. Like you, you, you need some to, natural ability. Yeah, you need to come out. But and again, I don't know if it was self fulfilling prophecy or what. But I was actually pretty good. And because we actually did chairs, like where we oh, yeah. had to compete for, for first, first chair, chair right? and second chair I and all that. Do that nowadays. No, no, yeah. you're just. I heard well, parents. this is high school. I don't know. Maybe well, different they might, high school. I guess. Yeah. It's a different world. They definitely, you know, they got tryouts for things. You're gonna get cut from teams. It's a completely different world than middle school. Which is interesting, man, because that wasn't how it was for us. Like, we'd had to deal with fucking ruthless competition. Trials. Forever, man. Fifth yeah. Grade, fifth grade on. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. Or, like, trying out for chairs and band. It's yeah. like, it was just, you, you were raised on competition. And that's just not, uh, it's funny, man. It's like, they do everything they can to protect kids from competition. And then they throw them into high school
1: oh, now we're competing.
2: Yeah, now it's fucking on, motherfuckers, because you guys got four years, and then it's the real world. And, like, it's definitely a competitive scene out there. So, but, uh, yeah, I've noticed that. There's, there was no, like, kind of ramping up or easing into it. You'd think, like, middle school would kind of be that, that middle ground, but it was, uh, it was not. So, everybody got to go home with a participation trophy. I don't know, that's not really true. But everybody made the team. Even if they had a C team. So, which is good. I mean, Shiloh's on the C team. What, basketball? Yeah. So, you know, know, give us her the opportunity to do it. Experience. I see that, right? I understand it. It's like, man, in middle school, it's not that big a deal. But it's just interesting. It it is literally like a different world. It was just, it's all just like, hey, we're all here to have fun to fucking competing now. Because, you know, like, that's the thing. Now, like, you're, She's gonna be with literally adults, like basically adults. I mean, when you're an 18 year old kid, you're pretty damn close. Pretty damn close to being an adult, and and so you're like you're looking at next year, like man, I'm, I'm trying to fucking compete for a college scholarship or whatever the thing is. So like, I, yeah, it's a it's a totally different world. No one you're on the court with at the eighth grade girls high you know basketball game is you know that fucking competitive but yeah you're basically getting into the adult world starting to bump up against it pretty hard once you get into high school so
0: yeah it's a
1: funny time man it makes you her going into being a freshman this year and it takes you back to think about that like oh man
2: yeah so, man I moved I, I moved from Oklahoma to California
1: your freshman year for freshman year yeah did
2: you yeah I got done I went to 7th and 8th in uh, in Lawton, Oklahoma Eisenhower Middle School and then decided to move to California with my mom. So,
1: man, that's a not only not only moving up from a middle school to a high school, which is a bit of a shock, and then you moving from Oklahoma to California. That's a, like I've got to imagine that's a pretty big culture shock. It was, yeah, man. It was
2: definitely uh, you know interesting. You know, I don't know. I'd moved a lot before that. My dad, for whatever reason we moved probably like every two years on average until I was in high school and then I'd spent all four years in high school. But so for me moving and dealing with not knowing anyone, just assimilating the situations was normal. And so, uh, you know, but yeah, looking back on it, it was like, that was definitely a lot, a lot different in trying to get assimilated to different place, different lifestyle. But yeah. Not really knowing people and starting high school. And the high school I went to was in a reasonably affluent area. It was on like the outskirts of one of the, like, you know, Fresno is, uh, I ran into somebody the other day who knew where Fresno was. And I told him, Oh, I went to high school outside of Fresno and Clovis. And he was like, Ooh, sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you Fresno's a rough place. It's not, yeah, it, really? yeah it's the armpit of California. So, it, but, uh, Clovis is on the outskirts and it's, um, kind of the more affluent area, you know, kind of like the Redlands or whatever equivalent, and so the high school was a little more upscale. I mean, it was like it had four thousand kids. It was like a fucking little college campus, man. It had like multiple buildings all around and a big amphitheater in the middle, and you
1: know, yeah. yeah. you go to those some of those high schools in those big cities like that. It's kids out here that go to these little ones don't don't understand like oh yeah, well, that's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: It was interesting. So, high school. <laughs> Don't miss those times. I'm glad time. those were not the best years of my uh, life. I'm very glad for that. Definitely. So, all right. I got one more. I got some a bro science thing to throw at you. All right. And then I want to get some Donna Herford dummies tips from you. Oh,
1: all
2: right. So, I was looking at a study on land-based versus water-based cardio training. Okay, so when you hear that, like just just off top of your head, if you were to think like how what kind of study, how they construct the study, what what do you think they did?
1: Land based tra- cardio training versus water based. Yeah. I would just say running versus swimming. Me too. Right.
2: Pretty simple. S- pretty simple. Like maybe set up like a, a, a some sprints, some on sprints, the land right? Like sprint you know, thirty sprint. seconds rest, thirty seconds on, and, right. and you're gonna do them, you know, running or on a bike versus swimming right. or something like that. And no, no, no. They fucking put people on a bike in a pool. So so you're doing a stationary bike. It's a stationary bike. And you're either doing it on land or in neck deep water. On on a bike. How in a is pool. this
1: applicable to anything? I don't know. Well they're just studying,
2: <laughs> they're studying the physiological reaction, I guess, and, and is there a difference and and stuff like that and so this study was actually done in 1983 like this whole like water versus land-based training shit goes back wow. like to the I guess was 60s that long ago yeah yeah and um so but what was interesting and I, I dug into it and i found another study that found a similar thing was they they studied two different water temperatures so it was land-based and then there was water at basically like a uh, body temperature like a, a comfortable uh level And then there was like cold water that you're being put in. And what they found is overall that the land-based cardio training gave you the best uh, benefits, but it wasn't statistically significant. It was like, you know, 17% improvements versus like, you know, 15% and 14%. So, you know, their conclusion was that they're all pretty much the same, which again, you're like, wait a minute, but they're not. Um and uh but the interesting thing was in the cold water what they saw was a slower heart rate but you had the same results same output the same yeah the same uh results from it basically and so uh and that the, that you were um like at lower heart rates you were observing like a higher volume of oxygen uptake and so basically something about the cold water um you know lowers the heart rate but you're still getting the physiological benefits of the uh, of the exercise so which is interesting i don't know exactly what that means like there was another study that had found the same thing that it's it's a pretty consistent thing that that cold being in cold water and exercising lowers your heart rate but is just as beneficial for your cardiovascular system as doing it on the land or in warmer water.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what to think about that. It's interesting. But, it's weird to get it on a bike. You would think, Isn't that weird? Yeah. You would see, because you've seen those treadmills that they have that they can dunk into the pool. Yeah, this is 1983, man. Right, so yeah. But, you know, nowadays they have those. I mean, I've never had access to one, but they are available. They're out there to where you, and then I've seen them to where, like, you can be half, you can be like waist deep in the water or they can put you like neck deep There were in a couple studies. I didn't
2: yeah. look into them, but they were doing that. It was like, you know, waist deep versus uh, ne- deep, short, neck, neck deep, deep, you know, uh, running in the water. Yeah. yeah. So no, that's a whole fucking thing, man. Researching, doing exercises in the water. Interesting. So I, I did like the water running stuff and I ran track. I sprained my ankle really bad mm-hmm. and uh, had to do some, you know, training in the in the pool and they they put that fucking belt on you and you're just like fucking running, like you're running like that it's in the water. In the water and and uh, have you ever done that? Yeah, I've done
1: it. Yeah. It's hard. It's
2: weird. It's weird, and it's like hard. There's a technique to it, it's hard it is hard yeah. There is a technique there's to it. There's definitely it for sure.
1: a technique to it to actually get the benefit from it. And there's like some skill and some practice that goes yeah. into it. Then once you figure it out, you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I see what they're trying to get here. Yep. God, I wonder
2: if that's, like, they've done any research on, like, running economy doing that. Like, if doing it in the water, like, kind if of forces you to do it. Because, like you said, like, there's a technique the to team. doing it.
1: Uh, yeah, but I do, I don't know. I don't know if the technique to running in the water would transfer, if it's beneficial to running on land. Yeah. I have no idea. Huh. Maybe that'll be yeah. bro
2: science next week. I'll dig into some shit. Cool. But, uh, so there you go, man. Fucking cold water exercise get on it
1: i like my danger-based cardio
2: i do too i do too i think that that's a good one danger-based
1: cardio is there any studies on that you need to look that one up you know there's some like legal problems
2: (laughs) (laughs) with making people think they're gonna die if they don't complete a task so yeah there
1: might be but if they sign a waiver probably all right
2: yeah you'd be surprised people get touchy about making them think they're gonna die (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's just a basic assumption that you're not going to make me think I'm really going to die. Like yeah. when you go into a situation, right? That's true. So you get a little mad if you see your life flash before your eyes, <laughs> like you poop your fucking pants or something. I mean, you know, if you legitimately think you're going to die, that's
1: going to elicit a response. <laughs> It'll elicit a response. And it may not some, be what you want. <laughs> you're going to get some good output, of bet. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyways, before we get into Dominant for Dummies, I got to piss like a racehorse. Okay,
2: man. Speed break. Yeah. All
1: right. Need <laughs> you do a mid show bong rip?
2: Mid show bong rip. <laughs> I some glue, so maybe some of the shit'll stick. Nice. Yeah. Some glue. All oh, that was. That's the name of the fucking string. I yeah. thought you were out
1: there just smoking elders. No, no, that.
2: no, man. I'm i I've actually never huffed glue, thank God. What's I think that? the most ghetto thing I've ever done is the old uh, whipped cream whip it. Yep. Whip it. No. Yep. Go fucking buy six fucking cans of whipped cream. I'm
1: not proud of that, but I've done that also.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Get desperate sometimes. Especially in the old days when you couldn't find weed or some shit. Such bullshit. See, that's what happens when you can't find weed. People resort to stupid shit. So, I mean, we couldn't
1: just decide not to do anything. <laughs> but, what fun is that? It's not fun. It's not fun. Not fun. Let's go huff some fucking whipped cream. Let's go huff some fucking whipped <laughs> Jesus cream. <Christ>. Man. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> there it was is. always a couple of kids that died doing that too, man. That was pretty popular when we were in high school.
2: No, I remember that, man. When I was in college, just the whole like nitrous. Just yeah. like, people would fucking have tanks of that shit. And yes. just, but God, I forgot what the fuck they called it. Like hippie crack or something. Because you just, it was. It was like, you, it's like smoking crack. Like, you get really fucking high, and then you come down, and it doesn't last very long. And so, like, if you're going to do it, you got to fucking, you know, do a few hits throughout the night. And Dude, start. I hit it. I, I, I didn't get that far. Like I so, like, I had a few, like, you know, nights with some whipped cream bottles. <laughs> I never, but I knew some dudes, man, when I was in college, especially like those motherfuckers that follow, like, fish, like yeah. the Grateful oh, Dead yeah. fan type oh, yeah. folks. Like, that was the thing, man. They were just like, yeah, man, you just fucking hit the nitrous. And sometimes you hit it so hard, you just fucking hit the ground. You start like, <laughs> flopped it in, man. You come back around. And you're like, oh. I'm like, whoa, okay. Well, something's I'm not funny. right. I don't want that, but you know. Well, you know what's
1: funny you say that is, so I had a friend, and we'll call him more of an acquaintance in high school, <laughs> that his dad was a dentist. Oh, no. And... So he would get access to tanks and tanks of nitrous. And, he, you know, we'd like hanging out with him because you'd go pick him up and he would just fill up balloons. So you'd go pick him up and he'd come walking out looking like a circus clown. Just with a whole bundle of balloons all full of nitrous. And that's how the night would start. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. There you go. That's some of my prouder moments, but it no, yeah, happened. I'm sure that definitely killed a few brain cells that I wish I had nowadays. You know,
2: yeah. Or maybe you killed the fucking, some brain cells that would have been screwing you over. The brain cells that died were weak, my they friend. weak ones. It's just the way to prune off the weak ones. I
1: think there's one way to look at it. Yeah,
2: that's how I'll look at it. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I'll look at it. Dude, there's so much more to it than that, obviously. I mean, you and I have done shit that we should not, we should be fucking idiots. But we're not. And we know people that have, like, done nothing. There's no excuse. Why are you an idiot? No crazy. head trauma. No fucking bad decisions with, you know, drugs every now and then. Just, you're an idiot. So, and it's, it's fun to say, you yeah, oh, know, I killed a bunch of brain cells. But, and you can, trust me. There's You can take it to an extreme and, and fuck yourself up. But, uh, for the most part, man, like, the, we're so resilient. We're
1: pretty resilient. To pretend that a
2: little, like, indiscretion... In our most, uh, like when our body's in its prime, man, you can just we can sh- recover recover from anything. Just shrug off anything. And uh, yeah, I think we're all right.
1: That's good.
2: I think we're all right. So. I kinda like to think that too. Yeah. We're not fragile, man. We're an anti-fragile system. Sometimes you got to agitate the system. But
1: Speaking of that, like I think I mentioned you, you'd be proud of me, man. I've taken this whole week has been like my recovery week. I have not lifted any weights. Oh, I didn't weights. realize it was a whole week. A whole I thought week, you were all dude. pumped that it was a day. No, a whole week, man. Nice. I have not lifted any weights this week. I am man.
2: proud of you, dude. I may be having like some sort of influence on you, you after are. a
1: while. But well, yep, I decided to decrease in the tension. Yeah. All week that's all I do. My exercise all week is only been I jump on the exercise bike for fifteen minutes and I'm at a pace to where I put up I put up my iPad and I'm watching the her instructional for and I'm just pedaling for fifteen minutes. So I'm not out there sprinting on it or doing anything crazy. I'm just just getting my body temperature up, so I'm feeling loose. And then I do about an hour worth of mobility. You know, whether I'm using the stick or just you know moving around, stretching a little bit, and that's it. Yeah, that's all I've done every day this week. Yeah, how you feeling? Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I'm gonna continue the week like this. You know, I've been doing a little bit of drilling at jujitsu or this and that, but yeah, felt like my body needed it. Yeah,
2: what's well, good? You're listening to your body. Yeah. It uh, it's
1: like I know. Took me forty years to. figure Right, this
2: out. I mean, just doing, yeah, just anything. Uh, it, it's just never fucking linear line up, man. It sucks. I'm kind of like, remember I showed you a few weeks ago how like my HRV and heart rate were doing all great, and um, yeah, they're back to being all not like bad, but it's just you know HRV is not quite where it was, heart rates up a little bit, and it's just. You can't, it's not a straight line. There's peaks and valleys to all of it. And it was the uh, saying, like, you know, if you don't fucking recognize a peak, the next step after a peak is down. And you can either step down or fall down. So but you're going to go down. You're going to go down, yeah. You can't just keep going. So it's uh, actually today with Shiloh's track workout, because she'd been setting some PRs, and last week was a good week. So this week we just did cut it down, like, half volume. So she just did like one hundred, one one fifty, and one two hundred, and that was it. But yeah, she was hitting her times, but you could see it. She was not as sharp as she was last week, and so. But if I hadn't uh, planned that already, you know, and gone out with like, all right, hey, you did great last week, so this week
1: you're gonna do even greater,
2: <laughs> right? And, and that's how you just. Get buried. Yeah, you just so, bury yourself, and then, yeah. then injury comes. Yep. You
1: know she's only fourteen or fifteen, whatever it is, so she can recover from that more than us forty-year-old guys. Mm-hmm. You bury yourself, you dig yourself a hole. It's hard to get out of.
2: Yep. <laughs> but you got to plan that in. It's easier to plan that in for someone else than it is for yourself, though. It is.
1: Yeah, I because mean, it's it's been taking some restraint this week. To like, like I want to work because i you know, I feel pretty good. I mean, and I even, dude, I almost justified it to myself, like, oh, I'll just row, I'll do, will do, like, I'll just, I'll row uh, five thousand, fuck yeah. it, like, let's just do a slow ten thousand, <laughs> you know, like, like no, dude, just stop because I know I'll, yeah, I will get on it and, and that, you know, because I, I do a lot of pulling, I do a lot of pull ups and you know this and that, and, and even though I could do that at a slower pace it'd still be pulling like you know like you know my t- the tendons and my you know my biceps and my forearms you know like it's still that pulling like nope I mean you get a little bit of that on the the airdyne but dude I not I'm going so chill on it yeah like literally like I'm getting like a more like a surface level kind of broken sweat yeah. like it's 15 minutes and just 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 moving again it's just getting my body temperature up mm-hmm. so I talked myself out of that like I was uh, kind of proud of myself Good, man. Yeah. And I made it this far. I can make it another Saturday. It's That's nice right. Without doing something. Got good discipline. It is. It's a skill. It's a skill. It's a skill.
2: Yeah. No, it's uh, it's important to do. It's funny. the uh, I had that guy come to town for some training. Uh, he, I worked with him for a couple of days. And, man, I've been doing this shit forever. Like, literally, it started online in 2005. And so... And there's a saying, like, if you, there's difference between, like, 10 years experience in the same one year, you know, 10 years in a row. And if you're not looking back on what you did, you know, five or 10 years ago, and there's not something that you're looking at going like, fuck, dude, I was really wrong with that. Like, that was not, like, you're not challenging yourself. You're not continuing to grow and progress your thinking. And so, you know, this guy's been following me for a while. And I used to be, even though I've always been like, you know, mobility and stretching and stuff, there's still the um, underlying tone of hard work, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: hard work. And I I have to say, like, with my workouts, you know, that has changed. Like, that's not my main undercurrent for my programs. My, My undercurrent now is, mobility and recovery so that I can do jujitsu. So you can play hard. I can play hard. I can play hard. Yeah. The workouts I don't want to detract, but it's just, that's that mindset. And so, you know, he, he knew and and kind of thinks of bike James as you know, the kettlebell guy and, you know, doing your, the, um, was it the Viking warrior conditioning? Mm -hmm. Remember that fucking protocol? So yeah, man, I mean, I had that in my programs. I mean, I was like, you know, I had some good shit. For if you want to like really push yourself and work hard, and so he was coming in expecting that, and then here I am telling him to like chill, chill out, man. Like here, just do some isometrics, and he's like, oh, you don't do like the little finisher thing at the end with the cardio because that's that's always what you do, right? You do a, a basic workout. I mean, if I was to like just do a cliche functional training workout, right? Like you're gonna you're gonna start out with some sort of like you know core training. Or you know you might call it like uh, um, prehab training, like where you're you know trying to like you know get the core firing properly and things kind of stabilized and ready to work, and then you're gonna do your your your, your you know your core work, which is you know usually be some compound lift. You're doing a push, a pull, a hinge, a squat, you know, and then you've got some um, auxiliary exercises that again core. Is the big buzzwords? There's a lot of core exercises thrown in, and then you finish off with some sort of high-intensity interval training. I mean, am I? Yeah. No, that's
1: sounds about. It's right. about right. It's you about right.
2: You might rearrange some of those right. elements, but that's kind of but it. Okay,
1: to throw in a finisher to really to smash finishers. it, yeah, to, yes, really... to
2: smash it in, right? right. So yeah. we got a lot of core, we've got a lot, we got a finisher at the end, and there's hard work, and so. You know, and that used to, a lot of my workouts follow that format. And they're good. Like, they produce results, man. Like, especially if you're in your 20s and your early 30s. And, and you know, yeah, man, but things start to change a little bit. And so, yeah, he was all like, oh, you don't do the finishers anymore? And I'm like, no, man. I, I'm a real big believer in, the like, play is the best cardio training that you can do. Like, you want to play. You want to be riding your bike. You want to, you know, for, he was a mountain biker. So I'm like, you want to be riding your bike. You want to be going for hikes. You want to be... You know, getting out and moving like that's your cardio. And so, like me telling you to do a bunch of kettlebell swings at the end of a workout is gonna make you sore and tired and less likely to go out and play. So it's defeating the fucking purpose, man. So, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny. You have it's a it's a total mindset shift mm-hmm. that you have to have and you have to realize like what is more important like working hard or recovering well. Like they can't both be most important. You can work you know what I mean like it, it's you can they can both be important but you're always gonna bias one over the other and which one is it and and is it the appropriate one at that time so um which problem are you trying to solve yep right? exactly what problem are you
1: trying yeah. to solve you know what's funny is I, I can't remember who I was talking to at the gym the other day you know we were talking about training principles and cause I've made that shift pretty good to where I mean, obviously, I can't do much jiu-jitsu right now, so I'm training pretty hard. But, you know, like, I, I have my mind wrapped around that. Like, your hardest workouts, quote-unquote, should be your activity. You know, you know. so for me, like, jiu-jitsu. You know, or if it comes ski and snowboard season, like, I need to be good for that, you know, the days I can ski and snowboard. Like, man, be fresh and strong for those activities. And then your working out should be to... You know, mitigate the damage you're doing during those activities, and helping you recover and prepare for filling gaps. Filling the gaps you're missing, the stuff that's not you're not the areas of your body that you're not being able to train that that aren't getting hit, so to speak, during your activity. Yes. Fill. Yeah, do that, the opposite. Yeah. Do the opposite. You're you're filling the gaps. You're yeah. Filling the holes. That's a good yeah. way to put it. And I was yeah you know, I was talking to somebody. They were talking about functional training and what they were talking and what they were doing and. The stuff they were doing was just more of what they're doing at Jiu Jitsu. And I didn't want to get into this whole conversation with them. Like, well, hey, have you ever thought about this? You're already doing a lot of that type of activity. Right. How about you do stuff you're not doing on the mat? You know, like, and, and, but I didn't feel like getting into that conversation with them because, and it is, it is, a, because that was, dude, I, I was in that camp for a long time. Like, okay, like, I'm doing jiu-jitsu, I'm training, my workouts are for jiu-jitsu, okay, so I need to set all my workout, my workouts, I need to set them up in, like, five-minute intervals. So I do, I have a little circuit I do for five minutes, and I have another little circuit I do for five minutes, you know, and like set, I just basically take jiu-jitsu and then put it into my garage, (laughs) you know, and do a bunch of it there, and then I go to jiu-jitsu and I do a bunch of it there, so I'm just doing a bunch of the same shit. You're not really, you're not progressing at all.
2: Yeah, nice. no, that's, it, it makes so much logical sense. Yeah, you nice. can
1: see why. Oh yeah,
2: for sure. It, it makes sense, but it's just not, there's more to it. There's more to it's it. funny, man, that five minute circuit thing, when we have mm-hmm. talked about this, like that's, that's how you get a weakness in cardio program because yeah. it's, you're not getting stronger and you're not really conditioning yourself for, for jujitsu. Like there's a mental toughness aspect thing that you're working, but you know, the just it's, it's different like the doing a five minute um you know interval based or you know like doing just you know whatever, whatever you use have like five exercises right I'm guessing and you're probably doing like One for each 40 time. seconds on with yeah. 20 seconds rest and or,
1: yeah, something some
2: along those lines and so you know and and uh so yeah I mean it's it's hard you get to the end and and you're breathing hard and you're trying to like you know I gotta work my grip and I gotta work you know uh, whatever you got all these these moves you're thinking about I do in jiu-jitsu so how do I simulate these moves in my garage and then I'm going to do them in you know basically 1 minute increments and in five of them for a 5 minute circuit And so it makes a lot of sense you're sim but it's just it's not how you do right it's not the problem with strength training based cardio is that um strength training movements are like they're mono movements like you're doing one movement over and over and over again. And like that's not, uh, that's not jujitsu. So like you're not doing the same move over and over and over again for 40 seconds and then resting and then doing a new move. For, it's your, it's, it's a, it's a, a multi-movement sport. And so, uh, you know, something like running or, um, you know, riding a bike. Again, like that's a, that's a mono movement sports so using it but that's why there's limited carryover because that's not what you're doing like man really like a good cardio training workout for jujitsu would be something like the fucking mace runs Mm -hmm. where it's just a continual changing of what you're doing and different movement challenges and and things because it's uh you know you can't do them in the five minute increments but just that constant challenging of your body in different ways and then doing it in a way that's almost kind of play, because that's what jujitsu is. It's play. Like, I, I joke about it all the time, man. Like, you saw my heart rate profiles those few times I wore my uh, heart rate monitor rolling. And, you know, I'm getting up and to a sustained, you know, 160 plus beats per minute at points. And, and the if you were to try to have someone simulate that heart rate profile through a cardio workout, it you couldn't do it. It wouldn't work. Like, they wouldn't do it. it you, it's so fucking hard to push yourself that hard when you're in a workout. But when you're playing,
1: you don't think about you're you not it, thinking
2: about better. it, man. You're not thinking about it. And so, that play-based cardio, you actually push yourself harder than you do. In, it's, it's just because it's play. Like, it's not, you're not even thinking about pushing yourself. You're just trying to accomplish this fucking task in front of you. And, anyways, I think that there's a place for both. But, that play-based stuff doesn't get, and and doing jujitsu counts as play-based cardio in in that like envelope or, you know, umbrella. And, but yeah, if you're doing too much of that highly structured, uh, um, interval or strength training based cardio, it does, it leaves you sore and beat up and tired. And then it starts to kind of like take away from, what you're doing and you're not actually filling in the gaps and doing the things you need to create more, gaps. you're creating more gaps. Yeah. You just keep doing the same shit. So then your mobility in certain areas keeps getting worse. Your strength with certain movement patterns keeps worse. getting worse. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's, that's, and then you can't function outside of jujitsu. Like that's the other problem. You get people who are able to, to move and move relatively pain free on the mats, but you get them outside of that environment, just trying to like interact with their daily environment. And they're in pain all the time. Mm. And it's like, see, that's not that's not good either. That that that's an indication that, that that's what's happened. Like your jujitsu specific fitness has gotten so lopsided. So
1: specific. So
2: specific yeah. that, you know, you have no general fitness left. So it's a balancing act.
1: It is a balancing act. But see, I think it's where a lot of people go wrong, is they don't see like they're doing jujitsu as they're working out. You know, I mean they do, but they don't. They don't actually consider it. They don't think about it like that. Right. Yeah, they don't take that into account as like, okay, that's I that's cardio training. I have to do additional, you know, strength strength and conditioning, and then that helps me with jujitsu. But they don't see jujitsu as their strength and conditioning. That's part program. of your strength and conditioning program. No, that is part of your program. Yeah. And so you don't need to do more of that. That no. takes that checks off of quite a few boxes. Yeah. And then the boxes you're not checking, then that's what your strength and conditioning program should check. Yes. And see, that's where I think a lot of people, you know, fail. Oh, yeah. They don't, they don't look at it like that. Yeah. 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 It's
2: funny, man. I was at that, uh, the, the BioForce coaches certification thing that uh, Joel Jameson mm-hmm. did. And it was, it was a couple of years ago and we had, um, as part of it, he would present us with like athletes, athlete, athlete scenarios and ask us to come up with, you know, potential, uh, training plans for them. And so, and one of the guys was, one of the potential or scenarios was a, uh, an MMA athlete. And it said that, you know, he trains this on this day and this on this day and this on this day and blah, blah, blah. And I got grouped up with these, a couple of kids, you know, I call them kids, but they're like, you know, in their early twenties and, you know, gone to a couple certifications, maybe gotten a degree. So they're, they fucking are pretty damn smart. Just ask them. And, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to work these problems out and I am like, dude, like they're solving the wrong problem. Like they're trying to figure out how to create, they're trying to use this mathematical formula to create a training program that's going to create an MMA fighter. And then you have to, you have to get the other training structured around that. And, and I'm looking at it like, dude, the most important thing that they're doing is that MMA training like striking, jiu-jitsu, like this is the most important fucking thing they're doing. This is cardio training for them. This is their sport. So whatever I design has to be pieced around that. And I literally was like, and you know, we're I'm, we're discussing it. And at one point, they fu- I, I was like, look, man, like you can see, like that's not going to work. You can't have like a hard day on this day because he's got training on this day, like hard training. And so it's not going to work. And they're like, well, we'll just ask the coach to, to move the training day, you know? And I'm like, dude, you're a fucking idiot. Like, I didn't say it. I, almost, I, like, I had to hold back a chuckle. I'm like, oh, you're an idiot. Like, you, and the coach would fucking tell you to get the fuck out of here, and you'd lose a job. And, like, that's not how this works, man. Like, what those guys do, like, that training, that's, that's the most important thing. That's where you make an MMA fighter. You get these strength coaches. They think they're the most important thing. Right. Like they, they think that their training programs are creating the MMA fighter and not recognizing that like, no, 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 dude, your role in this is, I'm not going to say it's not important, but it's, the secondary it's is. fucking secondary, bro. Your job is to support the primary mission, right? And you are not the primary mission. Your strength and conditioning program is not that athlete's primary mission. Their primary mission is becoming a better MMA fighter or a better jujitsu athlete or better whatever. And that has to be it. So you, you piece everything else around that. and But it, it's two different problems you're solving. And if you don't realize that the program you're getting, the person who wrote it, was solving the problem of how do I create a better jujitsu athlete in the gym versus how do I support a jiu-jitsu athlete with their training?
1: It's two different solutions. Two different
2: solutions you're going to come yeah. up with, man. Two different solutions you're going to come up with, so... It is problem solving. Problem solving. So.
1: And that segues nice into. Yes. Don or her for dummies. Don or her for dummies. Uh, and
2: we, we say this tongue in cheek because if you've seen the Don or her videos, they're not only long, mm-hmm. but he is very verbose. Yes. And so being able to boil down, that's what the dummies books, like, you know, blah, blah for dummies, like, that's what the, the billing was, is like, they're able to take these complex subjects and boil them down to the key points. And so that was when you called me. You're like, I got this idea, to honor her for Dummies. It's like we'll just boil it down to some of the key points because it's fucking hard to process everything that man and has to
1: say. He. So that being said, so I started watching because I obviously I've been aware of the Don and Her instructionals. I haven't purchased any myself up until recently. You know, you had the triangle one and the leg back attack. one, back attack one. Yeah. And you know, so I've been exposed to it through you. You know. And I, I know we has got some good information, but so recently BJJ Fanatics had that sale a couple weeks back or whatever it was. They had their anniversary sale. So it was like 34% off. The, I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll make the purchase. And dude, they're good. They are great instructionals. With an asterisk. Like, man, I, I think there's... Um, I mean, I don't want to talk shit about it, but I guess i are kind of going to talk shit a little bit. I don't think they're good instructionals for new people. For, for, the, for, like, even the one I bought, I bought the escapes, the pin escapes and turtle escapes. Yeah. Which you would think would be a really good entry-level one for, you know, a new white belt. I don't think so, man. I, I, think there, I think there's too much information there. Like we talked about earlier, you know, being a good coach is all about deciding what information to give to your student. And, you know, are they going to be able to process it? And that's where I started thinking, okay, the dominant for the dummies. Because, dude, he does touch on a lot of great things. And I'm not even all the way through it, dude. I'm like, I'm on, he's broke down into several different parts. I'm like on part three or four right now of the pins and turtle escapes. And, dude, he's, he's talking about a lot of good things and bringing up a lot of good, you know, rules and nuggets, you know, and what problems to solve. But, man, if you don't have experience, if you're new, if you're six months into jiu-jitsu and... You barely understand what a shrimp is anyways, or a bridge, or a turtle. you're barely familiar with turtle position, like you're not gonna get the value out of that instructional. It's too much for you. You yeah. gotta have a to really get the value out of that his instructionals, I think you've gotta have a pretty deep knowledge to appreciate it. That's cause there's so much there, dude. Like he talks a lot.
2: he does man he does like to talk
1: he likes to talk and he's he's a smart dude and I really like the way he looks at things and breaks it down like dude it's I mean it's like borderline genius if not genius like yeah it's impressive it's impressive man the way dude I've been in jiu jitsu a long time and I've watched a lot of instructionals I've been to a lot of seminars dude the way he's able to break things down it's fucking good and i but I think there's that, too, like, it's not going to resonate with everybody. Right. I think you got to be a certain type of person to really resonate with and get what he's saying. Um, I think you and I are kind of both that type of person, like, oh. But looking back early in my jiu-jitsu, but back to Bluebell Rob, I would have been like, fuck, this guy's instructional. Like, I just want a goddamn move.
2: Right, yeah. Teach me a move. Teach me a move. yeah that's that's his thing like he's uh, it's funny I actually made a note on there to like randomly bring up um, outcome versus process based coaching and I think that's what um, Donna does such a great job of is really making you understand the process that you're going through to achieve a certain outcome it's like identify the right problem you know here's here's what you do to address that problem you know here's and then if you do that properly, you're going to end up in this position like this. Mm-hmm. But you're not just going from here to this position here. There's a very specific process and reason. and reason for that that you have to go through to get there. And, you know, that is, I mean, you know, they've done studies on this stuff. Like, I mean, that is the better, more effective way to coach is you know instead of saying do this you know saying like oh here's here's the position just go from here to here you really break down like what's the process and so yeah he's done that and and he's done such a great job of identifying what that process is and why you're doing each step and so it is like in depth and if you don't have a lot of background to go okay yeah i've been in that position before okay i know how that feels or then you can be looking at some of it just being like i don't know is. Right. What the fuck's going on here? It's like me first time I saw the uh the fucking paper cutter choke. I was uh, it was back in my the Gracie Baja days, and they had their you could buy the videos. Yeah. And yeah. so you could you know watch like what the video your lesson was going to be before you go in. And I remember watching the paper cutter choke the first time, feeling like that never worked. That's such a bullshit fucking move. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Right? It's just because I had no. Experience right. like you have no idea. You have no frame of reference. No frame of reference for what you're looking at, and, and based on your complete ignorance on of it, you're looking at it going like, dude, you're you'd never get that on somebody. That is like that's bullshit. And then uh yeah, and then you realize like, oh no, that's fucking strong. Like that thing works. And now now I can look at that and I have enough knowledge to see like a new move or something like that and be able to kind of process like, oh yeah, probably feels like this or feels like that. But yeah, man, we've talked about it before, like really at white belt level and early blue belt, man, you almost have no business getting into instructionals in the first place yep. and, and being very selective about what you are getting into if you do, like, like maybe ask some advice of some higher belts, like what should I look at? Because it's so easy to confuse yourself but, uh, yeah, Donaher is definitely, uh, I'd say, at least, like, a third-degree blue belt level. <laughs> yes. <laughs> start saying that.
1: Yeah, I would agree, man. Like, if some new person asked me, you know, like, should I get the Donaher instructional? And even, like, dude, I, dude I've i been doing jiu-jitsu for, what, 15 fucking years now or whatever it is? Yeah. You know? And I bought, like... <laughs> A beginner level, technically, like, dude, I bought it. I didn't buy his back attacks. I didn't buy his arm bars, triangle, the fun ones. I bought the fun the, ones. Those are the fun ones, right? Right. I bought the fucking escape one, dude. And I'm, and I'm really glad I did, because not only is it gonna help me in my jiu-jitsu, but it'll help me be a better coach. And I already, dude. I already, like, I was texting you dude. <laughs> yes, yesterday, dude. Like, man, like, I am seeing the James Wilson problem right here. I got the fucking solution. And so I'm like I've been trying to figure out like how, how am I going to explain this to James? I know I got to get through them a certain way, but yeah they that's been a big benefit for me' is just seeing it because then now I've, I've been watching it, and then I'll go to class and I'll teach a little bit of it, and then I'm watching people wrestle afterwards. I'm like, oh, okay, that's where they're making that mistake, so then it helps me explain it, and it's it's a little process, but now they're they're good good instructionals for people with a couple years' experience at least yeah. Not good for new people. There's no. there's, there's too much there. He, yeah. He's too smart. He's one of those guys that he's he's really smart and he doesn't realize most of the people in this world are not as smart as he is. Yeah, and it's but he he does a pretty good job, man, because he does he you know he explains his his rules or his principles because you know it's principle based jiu-jitsu. It's not techniques, but then he gives you examples. Okay, here is the problem you're going to run into. Here's how, here's where my solution works. Here's another problem. Here's where this same solution works. Or very, of the solution of uh, this principle manifest. This this principle will manifest itself right here, but here's another look at it. Here's another look. Here's what this guy's probably going to do. Here's another, you know, but it's all the same principle. Yeah. You know, but he's got an eight hour instructional. You know? Right.
2: Yeah. He can, uh, there's a, there's a lot of what ifs. Yes. In jujitsu, yes. So and he's
1: trying to cover them. and he he does a good job.
2: He does, yeah. No, it's it it is. It's a it's a they're great, it, it, but kind of thing. But yeah, I wouldn't just recommend them to everyone across the board. I think, yeah, you're exactly right, man. I, I forget somebody asked me if I would recommend getting one, and, and I I was like, oh, I forget. I think they were like still like white belt, baby, new blue belt, and I was like, man, I don't know. There's a lot of info there, like There's a he, lot. Yeah, it may just be better off saving your money for a bit. And yeah,
1: you're not going to get your value out of it. Dude. You know, what I mean, I got it at the 34% discount, so it cost me 130 bucks, which you know, and that's kind of expensive for jujitsu instructional. You know, that yeah. it was anyways for me coming up. You know, that, that, I don't think
2: there's anything any instructionals out there that cost more. I no. think he definitely has the highest price instructional you know, out the, there. The base
1: price is what 197. Yeah, or something? 200 bucks. 200 yeah. bucks general. Yep. And I mean, they always do that, and then mark it down so you feel like you're getting a discount. I understand the fucking psychology behind that, but um, yeah, this and that's why I was like, okay, this needs to be distilled down and broken down. But that's what I'm gonna do. That's why. That's why I'm do probably ultimately I'll end up probably getting all of this and so because there's if 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 they all from what you've learned from you know the the back attack or the triangle one. And I've picked up good details from you you're like oh check this out this is what yeah and so I'm sure all of them have great stuff like that yep and so yeah I'll probably end up getting them all you know eventually yeah you know somewhere down the road but yeah he's
2: it's interesting man he it's he uh he has identified problems in ways that I've never mm-hmm. I've never had him explain before and then it's like oh okay that makes sense I mean just you know, a good example is the the basic concept of like wedges, you know, with them controlling you with wedges and you trying to operate inside those wedges. And like that was uh, like, oh, that makes sense. Like I can use that in a, in a, in a a variety of situations. Like he, that is a, that is a a really good way to identify the core problem that you're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. And then what is the, the basic solution that you're going to try to solve it with now the exact methods and all that other stuff are going to vary based on the situation but yeah until you understand that it really is just a collection of moves
1: yep and And that's what and that's what your goal should be in in jiu-jitsu practitioners you don't want to be a move collector no you want to operate based on principles and then the moves just happen Right. You and I both talked about it. We have, man. We've trained with people, and you can tell when you're training with somebody who's just a collector of techniques. Yeah. You can tell. There's a once you get to a certain experience level, you can you can clearly tell that this guy is just a collector of techniques. And if you get into his little funnel and you happen to line up with his techniques, yeah, he's a handful. But but you as soon as you throw a little speed bump into his his little system, yeah, or her little system. You can tell, like, oh, this motherfucker's just collecting moves. Yeah. They and don't, that, that's just like Kijoro throwing his fucking scabbard in the sea, Like, oh, you lost. Yeah. Like, you've already lost, my friend. I can tell right now that you don't have answers. You're not solving the right problems. If I present you with a little bit different problem, you're Foxville. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
2: that's the thing. You can never have a specific answer to every problem Jiu-Jitsu's oh. going to throw at you. And so if you're – I forget what the – one of the guys um, on the Joe Rogan podcast made the comment about if you're trying to memorize things, it's a sign that you don't really understand it yep. And you can't help but memorize things on the road to understanding it. But if you're still trying to memorize things, that's a sign. And, that, and that's being a, a technique collector where you know you run into a problem and it's not okay, what is the technique that I need to solve this problem? I'm always, you know somebody's always doing this to me. What's the technique? It's like, no, what is, what's the problem? Like, what are you not understanding? Like, where, where's the problem here? So how did you get in the situation in the first place? Because there was a problem you didn't recognize that you fucking, you know, that's how you got here. And then now once you're here, what's the problem and how are you trying to solve that? And then the techniques and stuff like that kind of flow from that. But yeah, it's that, that principle-based understanding that you got to be trying to seek. Um, man, it was, uh, one of the Musashi quotes I have it here. I probably do. You're going to love that book, man. I'm stealing all the good quotes That's okay. for you already. Because he was all about, like, you shouldn't you shouldn't have preferred techniques. Nope. There's a lot of things that Musashi says that kind of go against, again, a little bit what you hear from some people, even like high-level people in the jiu-jitsu community, which is like, you know, he was like, do not be have a preferred side you should not have a right and a left side. You will not be able to always control what side the enemy, you know, takes you. But then you'll hear the argument made that like, well, man, if you have a strong side and you just get so strong on that one side that you can always force people to that one side, that that's, I'm sure you probably oh, I've heard, heard that, that. right? Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, uh, and then just having preferred techniques. Like, this is my technique. I do this technique. I'm going into every match. I'm looking for this move, this technique. This is what I'm doing. So, you know, having a preference for a technique is is not necessarily uh, lining lines up with some of Musashi's uh, philosophy. So, um, anyway, I don't know if you've noticed that or thought about that.
1: I have thought about that. I, I see it manifest itself watching all of uh, all of our training partners. I, I do. I, I get. You know, that's one thing I get to do now when I can't wrestle is I get to sit there and I watch. Right. And I, I see these little different, you know, principles or lack thereof get exposed. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So here was the, the, the quote. It was, the knowledge of sword techniques is undesirable in the martial arts. Thinking of the various ways of cutting someone down confuses the mind. Yep. It's like that's, but you have to, you have to know the techniques to get to that state of mind, you gotta start somewhere. Right.
1: You, and it's You
2: But the ultimate goal is for you to not. have no techniques. You have no techniques. You just got the principles. Yep.
1: And the techniques just kind of come flow from that. And flow you're just from reacting. That. It's yes. that
2: by penetrating to the point where heaven and earth have not yet separated.
1: That's right. Right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's. But see, in the beginning, you gotta have those techniques because having principle based jiu jitsu when you're a white belt, learning how to tie your belt. It's too much. It's tough. It's yeah. tough. Yeah. It's tough. I mean... It, but knowing that
2: it's there, like that's the thing. If you're yes. not looking for it, if you're just going through jiu as a white belt and you don't realize that... It's like the thing I, I say all the time. It's like these, this technique, this is not jiu-jitsu. This is the window into the principles that are jiu-jitsu. Right. You should be focusing on trying to figure out what are the principles behind these moves And then the moves become fucking self-evident. But but if you don't know that, how are you going to learn it, right? It goes back to what we fucking talked about in the beginning, like ignorance because people just aren't, at some point, they're not taught the right way to learn. And so if, if, if you're a higher belt or you have a school and you're not, you know, in some way delivering this message to people like, look, this, you can't, it's not just a matter of collecting techniques. Like there are principles that we're learning here. There's principles that are going on here. And helping to explain that, helping people see that, then um, I don't know, people might be progressing faster if you did.
1: Again, yeah, I, I agree, but then I th- I fold the caveat in there, like I just I talked about twice already, you know, as as being the you know leaders of the school and the senior students, knowing when to present that information to people, right? It's very important because you get you can overwhelm them. You know, you can give them too much information and too many principles and steps. For sure. And, and see, I, I've, I've been trying to, because, you know, the, again, like, you watch these and her instructionals, and so it, you get really excited. You want to share this with everybody. So I got to I gotta back myself off. And when I show the move at the beginning of the class, I, I break it down. Like, here's four steps. I don't get too fucking crazy on the principles or this or that. Like, here's the four steps and do it. And then, as I watch everybody do it, if I see somebody doing pretty good, like okay, they're getting the steps. Let's give them a little bit more information. Right. Like here you go. Like hey, this is then that that's that, I think that's kind of the way to do it. I, I, I obviously might be wrong, and I might you know change that. But as of right now, I, I kind of see that's the way to do it. Okay, they're getting this down. They're getting the steps. Now, let's get them to the next level of understanding. Okay, you're doing this, but you're doing this because. I see you making this really important, but that's not really the most important thing. Here's what should be more important. Yeah. And I, I was doing that last night. You know, we're we've been going over the mountain escapes this week in class, and especially the beginner class. And it was pretty good beginner class last night. And so I'd watch, and then you know, most of the people there had no business, you know, for me trying to get deeper. Like it's just, hey, here's your four step mountain escape. Just fucking do this and figure that out. But then we had some blue belts there, like Shea and uh, Beto were there. And they're doing, you know, they've done it a bunch of times. So I'm like, hey, here's what's a little more important. Focus on this. Yeah. And even for them, a couple things I gave them, I threw them, threw them, threw them for a little bit of a loop. I'm like, don't overthink it. Yeah. I'm not giving you more steps here.
2: Right, 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 right. Keep doing what Keep you're doing. Keep doing
1: what you're doing, but your emphasis. Just think needs, about it
2: just a little differently. And your intent changes yeah. that move. You yep. need a little different intent.
1: Yeah. You know, you know I, I've seen it kind of fuck them up for a minute. And I had to like I had to back back the off. I'm like, hey, you were doing it right. Don't what overcook happened? that one step. I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what happened. I was like, don't overthink it. I was like, you were doing it right, and I just tried to help you, and it ended up fucking you up. Yep. Don't overthink it. Keep doing what you're doing, but change the intent. And that'll change it. I know it's kind of getting a little fucking woo-woo almost, but no, it's, it's not. It's, it
2: is, man. Your, your intention is important, man. It, it is. If you don't have... If you don't have one then if you don't i guess what it is is like if you don't purposefully choose what your intent is it's the same as not choosing one right and it's so uh yeah now i talk about that all the time too man when you're coaching people so you have to have an intent like when you're grabbing for their wrist grab their wrist like not the general area of their (laughs) body no one of the wrist you know or <laughs> that
1: may be connected to the right wrist. right right right
2: it's like no grab at the elbow grab right, at right. this point and uh but yeah it's just knowing those those things but no you're exactly right it's, it's that is one of the those things that musashi talked about his way of teaching that made me think about that which is you know you show people the basics and then you see who is grasping the basics and you start to reveal the things on a deeper level yep. to them based on their understanding of the way. And that's, that's the way to do it. So it is a figuring out what is the launching point. And that's that always evolving. It's thing. Always like, evolving. All right. I got, I got four steps and then in a month, you know, maybe one of those steps has changed or maybe you figured out that maybe you need a fifth or a third, but I generally think like three to five steps when you're coaching something, it's-
1: uh, yeah, definitely. I think five is about the limit. The limit. It is the limit. Yeah, that is. I like four. If I can yeah. do it all in four, yeah. That seems to be a good. Like, for me, it's just kind of like a magic number. Yeah. If I got to do it, if I got to teach it more than that, like it's right. We got to fix something. No.
2: Nah. Again, I th- I'm pretty sure. I, I just in coaching. That's one of those things I know that was emphasized with some of the the guys that I mentored under. Was that like people just can't remember more than five things mm-hmm. so if you can't boil it down to three to five things then you need to go back to the drawing board and and reboil it down but then there's like so many things between those things and that's where you know that fine line is what's the five basic steps three to five basic steps and then as people start to understand those things better you start to reveal it more to them but don't confuse them with too much yeah but I know, I know, you're, I know, tough. I know you're talking to me as you're saying this because I like to confuse people. <laughs> <laughs> because
1: you fall into that Donner category of, you're a pretty smart motherfucker. I don't like to tell you that, but you are. And you forget, you fail to realize that a lot of people you're talking to, might not see the world the way you're seeing it. And so you gotta like assess, like, are they seeing this the way James sees it? Or are they seeing this the way like a lot of other people see it? Yep. you fall into that same category. I do. I mean,
2: I, I'm conscious of it. So I catch myself and I keep it <laughs> relatively under control, Real but I am definitely notorious for hitting a tangent and then realizing like, dude, I am <laughs> lost. These motherfuckers so long ago, <laughs> bad coach, bad coach. So, but, uh, anyway, so I, I don't know what, if you were to say it before we, um, wrap it up or whatever, I'm, I'm curious what some of the, the Donna for Dummy principles are. Like, if you're just going to, in conversation, you're like, man, here's kind of like some for, of the... For a mountain
1: escape? Yeah, like the, the, thing that you good, I,
2: the thing that you've been watching, whatever you've been man, watching.
1: Man, if I had to like, just say Donna for Dummy is like a mountain escape. Or like, what's the mistake that you
2: realize that most people aren't realizing they're I, making?
1: I, I think, to, to button this up, I would have to say um people underestimate the power of the bridge. yeah what, what I say by that is because when you get into a high level of jiu Jitsu, if you watch the highest level of competitions and somebody gets mounted, most of the time their escape out of there it becomes an elbow knee escape or if you want to call it a shrimp it becomes an elbow escape Let's yeah. call it elbow escape. Dude, I would if you were to like break it down and do do the statistics of it, almost 90% of those escapes, their elbow escapes. There's yeah. some version of. They're not doing, you know, we teach, like if someone's mounted on you, the bridge and roll. You trap the arm, you do the bridge and roll. Okay, so people will extrapolate out. Okay, if 90% of at the highest level, 90% of these escapes are elbow escapes, I don't really need to have a good effective bridge and roll. They throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's where I think a big mistake gets made is like without threatening a good, effective bridge and roll or upa or bump yep. and roll, it doesn't present the opportunity for a good, solid yeah. getting inside their wedges with an elbow knee escape. I think that's a big one. Um, and then the other one would be getting more into the nuances of the good elbow knee escape or shrimping, having like a sliding shrimp. A power shrimp, or you know, be, the ability to go from like a, a good solid bridge to the turtle. Like, really, it's more than just a technique at the beginning of the class where you're sliding up and down the mat because coach said so. Like, there that is a very valuable technique and respect it and appreciate it just like you do a rear naked choke or an arm bar or a kimura or whatever it is. Respect it and put the emphasis on it because it's going to pay dividends later on. I think those are the two biggest things. I'm getting right into the details of yeah. technique, because, yeah. that, because if you know you see some, almost every jiu-jitsu school you go to, you'll shrimp, you know. Oh, part of the warm up before class is you're sliding up and down the mat, but people do it just so haphazardly, and it gets shown different ways. Well, we were you kind know. of talking about that. Yeah. Like I think
2: that term shrimp is a little bit of a disservice it because is. it's it's really it's a hip escape. It's a hip escape. A shrimp is a specific type of hip escape but even then like you're saying like that could be debatable like some people may say well it's this or maybe it's you know taught this way but then people start to confuse and think like well hip escaping is shrimping and so like it's it's hip escaping i I catch myself i I try to not call it a shrimp
1: see i'm okay with calling it a shrimp but i i would prefer i like to call i'd prefer to like yeah even maybe even get rid of that and Focus on more of an elbow knee escape. Yeah, call it an elbow knee a hip escape or an elbow knee escape. Yeah, I think that explains it more.
2: I think like yeah, like having like a top leg hip escape, a bottom leg hip escape. Um, you know, hip escape to your knees to you know turtle, but like it's so it's it's just reinforcing the hip escape part part. versus like the shrimping part because you see people like yeah,
1: I guess I I see what you're saying, and because in my mind. Those two words are very interchangeable. They mean the same thing in my world. When I say shrimp or I say hip escape, yeah, the picture, the mental picture I have is the exact same thing. But I can see where people might not have that. Right. They, 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 I can I, I see that. Yeah. yeah. yeah,
2: Or they just, you know, like, because why do they call it a shrimp? Well, they call it a shrimp because if you, and I even hate that, right? Because I don't want to look like a, a shrimp. Like, I don't want my legs, like, straight, Right, that's not necessary. Like, I want to be a ball. ball. I want to be more of a ball than a well, than And a I shred.
1: saw that when I was showing that the other night, and I was picking on you, purple belts, like yeah. you and Nate and Kelly. Like, I was, I was picking on you. It was a beginner class. You guys were there. I'm like, almost all of you guys are fucking this up. The warm up part. We're gonna do it again. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're not. Fo- we need to focus on the details of this because it gets lost. You just take it for granted that you're doing it for right. And I'm like, well, maybe not. Let's refine this. Let's get better at it. Right. Yeah, so, but anyways.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I'll be honest with you, part of the problem was confusion. Cause yep. you you wanted a elbow knee escape. Yep. And I thought you wanted like more of a of a of a hip escape like out of side control. Or if I was yep. gonna try to like almost have the option to turtle to my knees. Right. You know, and kind of different. escape. And that's two different moves. Those are two different moves, you know, yep. and, and, and so in those they are two different moves, but they both get referred to as Shrimping yeah. and and you you know or or hip escape, but it's like it's being able to distinguish between those different types yeah. would uh, cause yeah. I always just you you we're doing shrimps down the mat, we're doing hip escapes so down the mat, at, and that's it. And those right. are those
1: two words. And then the way like I've always taught it, and the way Kevin teaches it is different. But it's two just big things. Yeah, it's there's no nuances there. There's no this is this this is this, and so people get confused. They do it this way. They do it this way. There's no... They don't understand the different uses the for different, them. Yep. The different applications and it's... It's so they're not practicing themselves. it, Exactly. Right? Exactly.
2: Like, when you're doing a shrimp, you should be visualizing someone's on top of you. Like, you are... Escape, like, there is a... You should be visualizing yes. the application of that move to Jiu-Jitsu. There should be an imaginary opponent that you are Doing an elbow knee so they're mounted yep. and you're elbow knee escaping, or they've got you inside control and you're creating space and getting on. Well, your that, shoulder. That, that's a
1: really good point. And I think we'll, we'll bring this up and then we'll stop doing it like two and a half hours in. Uh, shadow boxing. All the best boxers in the world fucking shadow box. From, and from the time you walk into a boxing gym to the time you're Floyd Mayweather. Guess what? Every one of those motherfuckers shadow boxes is an important part of boxing training. When you get to drilling your your bridges, your hip escapes, your elbow knee escapes, it is your shadow grappling. You know it, that is our version, but it never gets talked about like that. It never gets taught like that, or talked about like that. And that's how it should be focused on. Yeah. It, it, if it works so well for boxing, why should why shouldn't you be doing that when you're grappling?
2: Well, I think the the point I don't want to to people to miss is when when boxers shadow box they're visualizing yes. an opponent they're not just throwing hands haphazardly like right. they are throwing specific punches specific combinations they are visualizing what they're doing yep and so it's that visualization that makes shadow boxing effective exactly and so without the visualization you're just going through the motions you're just doing aerobics yeah you're just doing it for fitness man yep. And I think that's the difference between a fucking cardio kickboxing class and like a legitimate you know kickboxer boxer like doing uh shadow boxing or something and so uh yeah no that's a that's a really good point it goes back to that intention mm-hmm. that that you have to have or you're just not gonna get um everything you can out of it but yeah I think that's that's it, it is it's interesting man like i said, I've thought about that for a little bit now that the, the term shrimp is it's uh it causes confusion. It causes confusion. It does. It does. We need we need a better way to explain the different types of hip escapes and then that's gonna help people be able to better visualize how these things apply yeah. to jujitsu. Because man, I'll guarantee you that if you stop and pulled, you know, the white belts shrimping down the mat and you ask them to explain or demonstrate a scenario on in with rolling where what they're doing is gonna apply.
1: Most of them would have no idea. They'd
2: either struggle to identify it or if they did identify it and then you put them in that situation and say, well, do what you just did, it'd be like, okay, now why are you doing it that way? Because that's obviously not going to work if someone was actually on top of you. And like, yep. that's not good. It's like, not good. No, 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 okay. man. People need to be getting more out of those moves, man. All of them. I'm doing like the fucking duck walks. Dude, I'm like, i, I feel myself driving That's into someone i mean you you gotta like it's you gotta feel it it's that yeah if you're just going through the motions because it's just a fucking aerobics class yep. so it's the difference between seeking the way and just going, going through, through the emotions. motions yeah. yeah
0: all right we'll so, end it right there we'll end it there all right
2: see you see you.
0: thank you for listening to the grumpy guy bjj podcast
1: thank you all for listening You can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help and will allow us to keep putting out episodes. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas, hit us up at grumpyguybjj at gmail.com. Also, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com, and get signed up for podcast updates and get our free BJJ Improvement Starter Kit. That's it for now. So get on the mat, train hard, and talk to you all next week. With a permanent breath,
0: a hermit now. Boom. Doggy school, foggy cool, got a froggy, I'll tell Molly, dude. calling Daisy, dude. Hanging by the lace of their shoes. No trace of the tools. Shaped into face, fuck the rules. Snooze you lose. One eye always open, it times two. No clue But soon, a brief suit Might give you a view to choose. Stay tuned, include, won't include. To the end, is this be there's consequences? But what you do? To me, you demon. The devil of many levels, I keep on beating For several of them rebels Me, myself, he died Me, myself, he died